Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GNT Show. I'm T, and once again I am joined by my co-host with the most, a man who this week was on the campaign trail and has been reported in the press as the brains behind the Anthony Albanese first week on the election trail, G. <laughs> I am. I've been following um, Anthony Albanese. I've been giving him the tactics. Have you Have you been giving him the quotes about the unemployment rate and those stats? Have you been feeding him those? I told him, look, I don't really delve into the NRL stats, so I don't think you need to delve into the unemployment Well, I've got stats zero either. stats. It I've works. just got a rant for the Parramatta game. <laughs> Far out, mate. Back to the crazy week in the NRL, yes, as always. Yes, good segue. Gee, shall we get into the round six news? Yes, when, we should. When we left off, we didn't know what was going to happen with the Marcel Montoya situation. He's been handed a four-week suspension. Now, there were two schools of thought. There was people like Paul Kent, who came out, and surprisingly, Andrew yep. Webster, who were in the camp of It's Too Harsh, and Paul Kent made it a woke Donald Trump issue. The other camp, it wasn't harsh enough, or it was about right, would be the other camp, but yep. they called out the hypocrisy of James Tedesco getting... Exactly zero weeks suspension for a similar incident before the season kicked off. When Buzz Rothfield was asked about this on NRL 360, he said, well, the Marcel Montoya situation happened at night as a reason for the four-week suspension. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is what passes as debate in in the world of the NRL. So for anybody that's thinking of making a homophobic slope, make it during the day because apparently it's worse if you make it what at night. Redi- what oh we, we, we have buffoons. What? We have buffoons in this sport and they're the mouthpieces of the sport. That has to be one of the most ridiculous comments of the seasons. Well, it's right up there with Phil Gould concerned about the stripper spreading COVID. Correct. So what did you think of the Marcel Montoya? Too, too, about right or too harsh? I think it was a little bit too harsh. I oh, would give him a couple of games off. Yes, I do. I oh, I had it. I had it as off. just about right. You need to send a message. But I, I mentioned this before. I would have done the education component with Marcelo Montoya as well. Well, th- there's been no reports. There's been no reports whether he's copped that or not. That for me would be a combination. But in lieu of no combination, maybe a two to three week suspension is sufficient. They get fined for missing games, so it's a pretty hefty fine. Yeah, but I mean, it's nothing without. I mean, he does. You're right. He does need the community support. You know, he needs to do all the training, education, all the rest of it. You know. Before I go any further with the news, we promised our listeners you'd do the news this week. I've kicked off for you. I've I've kicked off for you. I know you've been on the campaign trail. I know you've been on the campaign trail, bombing the Albanese campaign from the inside. Um, (laughs) But and and ironically. What Albo rang me as a big South supporter. He rang me during the week. Of course he did, yes. All right, what news caught your eye? What news caught your eye, G, this week? We can take this wherever you want, listeners. G has done extensive research this week for the news. I have tremendously so. This is going to be quite a silent pod if you don't have any stories, G. One thing that has come up is the whole Redcliffe Dolphins thing for me. It's like, how big is their salary cap? I think it's rivaling the Bulldogs at the moment. Well, they've only got like seven players signed at the moment, dude. Yeah, and they're up at about $10 million, is it? No, no, they haven't signed Munster and Ponga and all those guys yet. And that wasn't really in the news. Some of those players were in the news. Um, is there anything that happens post-1984 that you'd like to talk about? I, I believe that Steve Morris might be moving to the wing for the Dragons after playing halfback in the early 80s. Excellent. Any other news you'd like to... <laughs> no. Nothing? Yes, I did I did find out Chris Johns was actually a, a Penthurst, Penthurst boy. Junior. So there you go. Yeah. Is that, have so you got anything, another, another bit of news. Have you got anything no. for our listeners recently? No gossip this week. What about no some gossip. stuff that's like... 
tacticals or anything like that? Anything you'd like to mention? Well, in terms of, if we're looking at that, watching the games, a little bit disturbed about the whole six again. I've got, I've got stats. Hold it. I've got stats. Okay, so let's, that's a good segue. First four weeks of six agains, all right? There was 29 to 32 restarts per round in the first four weeks in total yep. across all eight games. There's about 29 per game at the moment. In round five... Remember, at yes. the end of round four, PVL came out and said, Rugby League, no Correct. more wrestle, no more wrestle, yes. Rugby League. Yes. No, one of his emailers. It, one of yeah, his emailers well, but I mean, yeah, it went through Andrew Abdo, and Andrew Abdo had a, you know, once a week hearing with the Emperor who said, Thou shalt give out um, six agains again. And um, in round five, miraculously, because the refs can't be can't be influenced, right? So that went from 29 no, to 32. Not at all. Never. The round five went to 54, okay? Round six, by half time in the Manly game, which is three and a half games in, they were at 35. Why am I, why am I not reading about this? Why do I have to sit there and watch the game and note it? Why don't you read about this in the press, right? Well, I actually got that stat from the newspaper. Well, there you go. That's the topic of conversation. I've got the eye test going, mate. You can tell it's just a six against constantly, whereas watching the first few rounds, there was hardly any at all. Like always, like they're random. You know, a team stands offside for four tackles and then all of a sudden it's a six again and then the other team does the same thing and it's not six again. It's it's really starting to dictate um, the games again. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Not, not a fan. I think they're losing... They can't find... They can't get the balance right. They're changing the wrong the rules. Games. They keep changing the yep. wrong rules. Seven tackle sets, dominant tackles, six agains... Um, they're just changing the wrong rules. Like if you dropped the interchanges and you brought more fatigue into the game, you could actually achieve the same thing as getting rid of the ref wrestle without creating these artificial rules. That seven tackle set yeah. is an anomaly. It's just, it's ridiculous and it's still in the game. It's dumb. It makes no sense at all because to me also tactically, they haven't thought about the tactics. The seven tackle set makes it very easy for coaches just to run one out and gain you know, 50 metres, no, well, very easy. you've now got situations where teams are so afraid of giving seven tackle sets, they just take a hit up on the last tackle so that, that, yeah, so that they, have to, they I mean. have to take the ball out from their own line. I mean, or ridiculous. if you notice, they bomb. They don't bomb to score. They actually are bombing just before Territory, the correct, correct, correct. That's right, that's right. Oh, it's good that you've watched some footy. Excellent. All right. It is. Any other news? Because I've, I've got a list of about 20 things. Oh, shit. Okay, go through All it. All right, let's, let's do it. Started. Let's do it. Let's go. Guys, what I want you to understand here is the level of professionalism that G brings. This is no. why This is why we're going to have another three years of Scott Morrison right here. G. I don't... <laughs> okay. So, I don't hey, 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 G, it's Albo here. Um, do you think I need to know the unemployment stats? Ah, I haven't seen it in the press anywhere. Don't worry about it. No, don't worry about it. All right. So I'm, I'm just going to do this randomly. Um, Super League, the UK Super League. Since 2015, yes. it's had a target of selling out 10 games a season, and it hasn't gotten near cooey of it until this season. It's moved away exclusively from Channel Four, it's, uh, from Sky Sports to Channel Four now, so it's split across two channels. So it's got a bit of free-to-air coverage over there. Um, I think the yes. Challenge Cup is still on BBC, so they've got a few channels covering it there. Adam Hills, the South supporter, the comedian, is hosting the coverage for Channel Four. Is that is that right? Okay, oh, no, I have. I've, I've watched a couple of the games, and actually, I like the way they play football. But I didn't know. I saw the one with Brian Carney and um, a couple of the other guys, Jamie Jones, Buchanan. So this is the else. ridiculousness of it. Fox Sports shows none of the coverage from Channel Four or BBC. They take only the Sky Sports games over here okay. because it's all in the Murdoch. Yep. Yeah, Murdochacy. Yep. So, yep. but 
the, the it has turned the corner because of this TV rights. It will sell out ten games this season. The Wigan St Helens derby and the Hull derby or both I sold out. That. There was twenty thousand people. Fantastic. Both Great sold atmosphere. out, uh, and I think that's their fifth sellout of the season so far. And they're very early on in the season because they run the same time as ours now. So Super League's I think turned a corner, which is which which will be what? good because we need the competition. Frankly, we absolutely do. I think it's fantastic. I watched, like I said, I watched a couple of games and. I noticed that the crowds are up, um, and it's good to see because I think we really need a thriving Super League competition in the UK. It gives us, like you say, a bit of competition. Well, and they have a different style of footy too, right? A different style of footy. It's, it suits some players, doesn't suit others. It's actually good to have it's, that balance. It's still quite a bit um, lower in quality than the NRL. You can tell. Yeah. It's like fringe first graders correct, generally. Correct, that, correct, um, A little bit slower, but the way they play footy is I think a the lot best teams expanded. in the Super League would finish above three teams. The Bulldogs? The Tigers yeah. and the Eels yes. after today's performance. <laughs> okay, of course. Only if they play at night, apparently. <laughs> but anyway, correct, okay. correct. All right. Yeah. It's, um, but it's good to see. I want to ask a quick question. Do yeah, you sure. think that this is the start, the genesis of a rebirth, or do you think it's just an anomaly after COVID that everyone's happy oh, just good, to get out? Good question. Don't know. They have got the Rugby League World Cup at the end of this year, don't forget. And the British government, as an election, I guess, sweetener, has really gone after Rugby League because it knows it's a working-class sport in the UK. Rugby is very entrenched in the U- in the UK, but in the mid-80s, yeah. league was real. The, the, you know, some, someone said to me, in the mid-80s, the most popular sp- sportsman from a rugby perspective was Ellery Hanley in the UK. So it can get back there. Um, it just it does yeah. need to improve the quality of its comp though. Once it starts getting money in, because what what happens when it gets money in is actually the good Australian players will be able to go over there as well and lift the standards. A bit better, yes. And and what we've what we've lost with them going to a summer comp is that in our off season, remember in the eighties when we were growing up, that Mal would go, Brett oh, yeah, Kenny would go, Peter Sterling yes, would go absolutely. and do an off season over there. Now that doesn't happen at all anymore. No. And the kangaroo tours are gone. So they, this is where the World Cups are really important, right? But I just thought it's actually really good that the 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 um the the you know that the Super League's going well. well it's great to see, and also um, I noticed Toulouse was there as well yeah, as another yeah. French team, which is a good sign too. It's got two French teams playing. So are you still are still a life member of the Toronto Wolfpack? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, they've gone broke. Have they? Have so they? I'm not interested. Yeah. What's your, can I before I go on with the rest of the news? What's your tips for Albo this week on the election trail? G in the election trail. I feel like it's a kids' movie. Rated R. Keep things a little bit simple. Don't use your don't use your jargon that the politicians use because it doesn't resonate with the the populace. And keep it simple. Thanks, G. Study Donald Trump actually, but you know use his tactics to deliver your message. Excellent, G. That's great advice. I'm sure he'll follow well, it. Well, ask Paul Kent because. Last Paul Kent, all the woke woke suspensions. That's right. All right. Look, the rumor is Andrew Johns has been demoted on the um, Channel Nine coverage, and the, and his contract's up at the end of this season. Um, and he was very unbiased in his coverage of the Newcastle game. I don't know if you noticed on Channel. <laughs> I actually watched the Newcastle game on Fox because I had the um, misfortune or pleasure of listening to Phil Gould cover the Bulldogs. On it's Sunday. unbelievable. Mick Ennis in the Para games so. exactly the same. Like it's just it's it's everywhere. Anyway. Andrew, the rumor is Andrew Johns might be going to Fox Sports, and you have both both Johns boys there. I actually think that'd be quite good. I think I think they're both very knowledgeable about the game. The other rumor this week is that the Johns boys are going to take over as the Samoa coaches and do it for free. Oh, okay. So that came up last year, if you remember. I think that'd be great to see them take over Samoa. Um, but also, I do think I'd be interested to see Andrew Johns actually on Fox because Fox at times has a little bit more. I would say a little bit more tactical analysis than Channel Nine. So it'll be not on NRL three hundred and sixty. 
But um, it'll be interesting to see if they sort of allow him to expand and talk a lot more about what he sees and what doesn't. So I think Channel 9 sometimes can be a little bit um, pressured for time. Yeah. Um, in that, yeah, get your message out really fast. So you kind of only get snippets of what he knows. So it'll be good to see him on Fox. Now, speaking of Joey, he and Billy Slater have called for a return to the five-minute sin binnings. The NRL have said that oh, they will please. only... This went out of the rules in the early 90s. Yes, but they should have emailed Peter Volandis because he'd listened to it instead. <laughs> they should have. Don't worry about talking about it. Now, ironically enough, this call comes after Joey and Billy were talking about the Bulldogs game last Thursday with the sin bidding and it costing. Now, that happens all the time in every game, but now that Phil Gould's commentating on the Bulldogs games... Correct. This is what this I'm talking become about. An issue, this is right? right? Phil Gould. You've got to remember why the reason the five-minute sin bin was gotten was got rid of in the first place, right? Because... The same, the, like two different referees were interpreting the five and ten minutes in bin separately. Some would send the same infringement for ten minutes, and the other would send the same infringement for five minutes. Five minutes is worth it because realistically, you can slow the game down so much that it's actually not. No, really but the other thing, G, is um, if anything ever said anything about the culture in our sport, instead of stopping <laughs> the reason for the sin winning, our solution is to change the penalty for the sin winning. <laughs> To make it less... Don't hit him high. But if you do, I think we should only make it five minutes. (laughs) It's funny, right? They watch one game and one team loses because of it, and then all of a sudden... But that happens in every year, in every other round. It happens in every other round, exactly. It's the sport. That's the sport. Let's move on. Um, The Emperor was in the news this week. Of course he was, yes. He was saying... which Some of the points he made, actually, in this press conference, I agree with. He was saying that the NRL women's... Objective there should be to have 17 teams, that each NRL team should have a women's team, and that the NRL should fund it the same way they fund the men's team, which I agree I agree with the second point. Now, the NRL women's point has received a mixed response online, and the, re- yes. and the reason for that is not that they don't believe there should be 17 teams and it should be professional and the NRL should fund it. Oh, but Are there enough women that play to make up 17 Well, okay, one, one problem at a time. I don't think they're saying they're going to go there in one yeah. go. They're going to build up to it, right? Of so, course yeah. not. Of but, course, but, yeah. but I think what they were saying is if you had a blank sheet of paper, you wouldn't have so many teams in Sydney. So why should the NRL women's team have so many teams in Sydney? Now, I can see two sides to this argument, right? One, it's the heartland of the sport along with Queensland. Yes. That's where most of your players are going to come from. Correct. Um, That's right. But the flip side is the flip side of it is yeah. If you're trying to expand it, like there's no reason why NRL women's couldn't be popular in Perth and you know South Australia and Tassie and other places, right? But they're they're going to need teams. They're going to need teams there for it to be popular. For simplicity, um, it's easy just to say all the teams need to have a women's team. But the counter argument makes some good points in that you're right. Why not have a Perth team before you? You don't need an NRL team to have a women's team in Perth. I don't think Perth will work, G, and I'll tell you why. I don't, I'll tell you why because um, there was other news during the week that the 2023 season opener is going to be played in the US, Manly versus South. And do you know how they came up with that fixture? They asked Russell Crowe probably. Well, because you're, you're, you're nearly there. You're nearly there. The, the yeah. way they came up with that fixture is Hugh Jackman is a Manly supporter and Russell oh, Crowe. Russell you know when instead I of going to Perth, to they myself, go to California. Who's the famous? Yeah, who's going to watch this? It's a manly fan. Who's going to watch this? Who's going to watch this? I can't believe I forgot Hugh Jackman's a manly fan. I actually was thinking, shit, is there somebody that's an actor that's a manly fan? But this is the research they've done. Let's play Manly vs. South. People know Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe. It's probably not a bad thing to piggyback off, but but they've done quite a bit of quite a, quite a bit of thought in it. They, they, the season would kick off one week earlier, just with this fixture to give the teams a chance to come back and have two weeks at home before they play round two. Um, they, they were looking at the I think the USC stadium it was the University of Southern California. 
um, which holds about yep. 20,000, 25,000 people. Um, so they, they've done quite a bit of research, but I just think they're going to need more than Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman if they don't want it, if they so. want to appeal to people other than expats. Agree with you. And again, it's... I like it, but it's like, what's coming after that? What's your plan long term to try and build this board up there? Why, one, why one not give it to Perth do anything? before we go to the States? They've already got a rugby community over there. Like, it's not going to be as hard to convert the rugby fans to rugby league. No. The US for me is you work on that once you build your plan on how to build the game in the US. At the moment, Perth is probably your, your priority to expand maybe for an 18th team in Australia. They're better off going to Perth. I thought you said a second New Zealand team. And then you said, and then you said Papua New Guinea. So now it's Perth. In three no, weeks, you've changed. Three weeks, no, three different No, I think Papua New Guinea would be great. Teams. I know it's not going to happen. I'm, I, the most realistic one is Perth. Okay, but you know what, mate? I'd love to see them build plans to develop the game internationally that way. Because in, in there's a rugby community in the US. There's you know a lot of gridiron players that you know love playing sport that'll give the game a try, but they don't have the support. So I, I agree and disagree. So. There is no such thing as community sport in the States when it comes to gridiron. They've got the college, and you yeah. either go professional or you stop playing. There is no... Or you stop playing. Yeah, there's, you no, there's no club that, you know, like, like no. We, we play over 45s. There's nothing like that, yeah. right, of gridiron league. Yeah. I think you'd have to pick them up at that point. And I think, yes. and if you pick them They've up been... at that point, it's four or five years before they're competent in rugby league. And they yeah. finish college at 22, so you're looking at 27 by the time. You know, 27, 28, yeah. till they figure out how to play. They've got to develop their tactics. My view, that's my view. So, so... Uh, you know that that needs a little bit of thought. That it's not that easy. I mean, if you listen to Tony Collins's podcast, there was always opportunities for the rugby league and rugby union to go to the states, particularly before, particularly when the sports were a lot closer in the early nineteen hundreds, and they just butchered it, which is how we've run the sport for the last hundred and twenty years. Of course, <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So, shall we move on to some player movements? Yes. Okay. Correct. Correct. We can. Yeah. <laughs> shall we move on to some player movements then? Yeah. We. we Thanks, can. Albo. All right. Kalen Ponga is going to come up. Well, Kalen Ponga, let's start there then. Kalen Ponga's contract is rumoured to be withdrawn from the Knights. The Knights had tabled That's a $1.2 right. million five-year contract and apparently it was agreed yep. to, is what News Corp said, but then got withdrawn yep. last Friday. Um, this was denied by Adam O'Brien after the game. Um, and he even said the CEO's not in the country at the moment. He's holidaying in Hawaii. And I've got a story about the club CEO holidays coming up later. Um, was he holding a hose? <laughs> You're really getting political this week, G. <laughs> so what do you think about that? And why is, why is Kalen Pong as 20... He's 24. Why is his dad such an influencer in this decision? I don't know. Um, Thanks, G. It sounds like his dad's... No, I mean, like, it looks like whenever you go back historically, his dad's very influential yeah. in what he decides to do and where he decides to play. He, I mean, that's the thing. There's people denying it's been withdrawn. People are saying it has been withdrawn. He doesn't want to sign. Does he want more money? You know, it sounds like Redcliffe is after him. Well, he was much better this week in a losing performance. He was much better this week. He was, um, but maybe, you know, they want to try and get more money out of Redcliffe. But, I mean, how much more money can you get, realistically speaking? His 1.2, 1.3 you know, your maximum of your cap that you want to spend on... Any one player. One of your gun... Any one player, you know? Got to be a spine player. It's got to be a fullback or a halfback or something like that. How much more is Redcliffe going to give him? 1.5 million? No, no, no. He won't get 1.5. Well, if they give 1.5, they 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 confine themselves to you know the mid-table obscurity. I mean, that's a lot. Your salary cap goes out of skew then if you're doing that. It does. To be honest, T, maybe it's a it's a fit thing. Maybe his dad's unhappy with the way he's playing, and his son hasn't you know become the star, and his face is everywhere. The only thing I thought of was. 
whether he was unhappy with the way his injuries have been handled. He has missed a lot of games over the last three years. That's a possibility. I haven't heard much about that, but we know you were following stuff in the States. There's a big... Kawhi Leonard, right? He left San Antonio to go to Toronto for the same reason. There's a few situations where the players are unhappy with how the clubs have handled their injuries and sort of, you know, it's actually put them on the outer and they've left. So maybe that is something, but I haven't heard about it. All right. Well, let's keep going with the news, G, because I've got heaps more to go. Yep. Now, Mitch Moses signed a three-year contract extension last year. Yeah, that's right. The option, he's actually, what they didn't tell us was that actually the last year of that contract is an option in Mitch Moses's favour, which means Mitch Moses is actually a free agent if he wants to be from 1st of November 2023, which means he can actually negotiate with other teams from 1st of November this now, year. This year. 1st of November yeah, this that's year. that's right. And I think this is a very clever thing that his um, uncle, his agent, has done. Who's the player agent? Benny Elias. No, is that Benny Elias? Isn't his agent? That's his uncle. But anyway, no, his other, his cousin, his uncle, the other, Mo- the oh, other okay. Moses Sorry. that's doing yep. the Isaac oh, Moses. Okay. Yep, Isaac Moses. Okay, I thought Isaac Moses was suspended. He from is. Being an agent. It's footy. <laughs> okay. Coda Nasser is not accredited. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. It's footy, bro. Been accredited. So anyway, I love Coda. Anyway, right. yep. So. That actually means he can negotiate with... Um, Redcliffe. From 1st November. <laughs> They're going to spend their whole salary cap on like three players. And everyone else is going yeah. to get free Chinese food from their equivalent of Dynasty. <laughs> I've got to Google the um, restaurant that's up in Redcliffe. It's, it's just it's the pub lunch overlooking the stadium. It's a pub lunch, you say? Yeah, it is. So if you're Redcliffe, G, who do you go for? You did speak to me and say that they were after Reese Walsh because he wanted to come home. I'd and take Reese Walsh and Cam Munster. And he was... I absolutely would take that's Cam the combo Munster and Reese Walsh, that's the combo and I wouldn't even think about it. That's that's the combo I'd go for too. Reese Walsh, he just has flashes of I don't know what like superstar. I take Reese Walsh because he could be anything, right? But he's not there yet, and he's a long way from being that. But he's going to be a lot cheaper, and it gives you some. But I actually room. think Cam Munster might be one of the top five players in the game at the moment. Well, when he's on, Cam Munster can run the game. Well, Cam Munster's going to be Australia 5-8 at the World Cup, right? Yeah. So anyway, that's who I'd go for as well. All right, another other player news. Yep. The Clearies have re-signed. We, we flagged that a few weeks yes, ago on the that. pod. Yep. The, the interesting thing about this, the extension was by three years. Now, he's got a back-ended deal at the Panthers at the moment, which means he's going to earn about 1.2 and I think it was 1.2 and 1.3 million each of the next two seasons. And the Panthers applied to the NRL to restructure that as part of the new five-year agreement. So they said yep. they said no, because once the contract's been registered, you're not allowed to renegotiate it for the years the contract runs for in the NRL, okay. which is, which is it's not like the NFL, so you, you get your money. Um, but what that means is he's actually got a front-ended deal. So he's going to get 1.2 and 1.3, and his salary is actually going to go down. Yeah. It's going to be tied to the salary cap, but he'll still get the same amount of money, but he's going to get it first, right? So it's an interesting yeah. deal. It's an yeah. interesting deal they've done. It is an interesting deal. I think it's... Um, it keeps the it gives them more of an opportunity to keep the gang together. Yeah. I was going to say, he's obviously sacrificed a little bit of money so that they can keep the team together and build around him. And why not? I mean, if Kalen Pong is worth $1.2 how much is Nathan Cleary worth? You know what? The way the game's being played and the way coaches use halfbacks, you've got to say he's up. he'd be, have to be the most expensive player in the game. Well, and his age. And his age too, and he's done everything, and you know what? He's ultra professional. I mean, he could go down as an all-time great if he continues this. Oh, absolutely. He only needs four or five more years of this, and then he'd be right up there. His body of work would be like 10 seasons of it. Plus, you know, he's he's the gun halfback for a team that's dominating three seasons in a row. Yeah, correct, correct. That's not historically common. No. Let's keep moving. Other news? And just on that, I think um, Ivan Cleary has proven himself to be a coach that kind of allows a little bit of flair and a little bit of structure. He seems to find the balance 
quite well with his teams, be it the Warriors and, and the Panthers. So I think he's a good signing for the Panthers too. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Well, And they're all happy together. They've all got coached by him growing that's, up. That's the thing, like, yeah. Like they're, just, they're just a... They're the Golden State Warriors, man. They're just... They're just, they they're just, they're just flying Absolutely. at the moment. Anthony Milford. So it looks like... Yeah, I saw that. So, oh, yeah, really? That, you don't want to talk to that news? Yes, yeah, okay. go to the Knights. He's going to the Knights. He can't play before round 11. He's a, he signed a training deal with the Knights that the NRL has approved. This is after yeah. Phil Gould came out and put the spot... Phil Gould uh, under the employment of a competitor club... On his Channel 9 podcast, threw a lot of stones at South Sydney saying that they should be investigated, which they should be, because he signed the contract and they issued a press release at the end of July last year, and his charges didn't come up till October. Apparently, there was an anomaly with the witness for the signature on his contract, and South didn't tell Anthony Milford, and that's why he's not playing, he's not getting paid at the moment, and he's not under the South's contract. Apparently, him, his wife, and his child are living in a in in his parents in in a bedroom in one of at one of their parents' place. Sad story, actually. It sounds like South did him wrong, though. Not a good story. And as much as I know about it, number one, it's he's earned quite a lot of money up at Brisbane, so I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, well, he's... that's right, and, and and that shouldn't play into the story, right? It shouldn't. But South's conduct, from what this reading, listening to that, it's they have done him wrong. I mean, that seems like a pretty, what appears to be quite a sneaky thing to do, leaving them wiggle room to sort of not pay him because of a technicality that they didn't let him know about. It's not something I'd want my club to conduct their affairs like. No, I agree with that. I don't think that's a good look for South. That's the reason why Phil Gould said there should be investigation into South's behaviour. And on the face of it, he's probably right. Yeah, I have to agree with Phil. What a surprise. Now, Adrian Prezenko... The Sydney Morning Herald writer, you're aware of Adrian yes. Pazenko, yeah? Yes, I do know, you know Adrian I thought, Pazenko, I thought yep. you only knew the 80s writers like Rex Mossop. Yeah, Rex Mossop. Spiky blonde hair, Adrian, yep. So he wrote a story about the Million Dollar Clubs and the players in the Million Dollar Club. And 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 it's some people said it's a great article. I'll leave, leave people to read it and judge for themselves. But the one interesting thing I did find in there was that when Teddy Tedesco... James Tedesco went from the Tigers to the Roosters. The offers on the table were 1.2 million with the with the Tigers and 850k with the Roosters, and he chose the Roosters. Now he did. Of course, he, he then did, signed yes. a seven-year deal at the end of that two years that that they bumped up his salary, and then he was he was in the Million Dollar Club. But you know, if those figures are correct, and Phil Gould, to the best of my knowledge, wasn't at the Roosters at the time that was being done. <laughs> no. Are you sure? Well, it just goes to show if he had signed with the re-signed with the Tigers, he would have taken the money, but he'd be like Luke Brooks. Possibly, yes. So sometimes it's not—it's not the player. It's sometimes it's the—it's the club. Yeah, and I mean, look, he might have also been um, kind of like, look, we'll pay you this much for two years, and then our cap gets. Well, of course, um, of course, those conversations would have clears up in a couple of years, and we'll we'll sort you out a little bit back um, later. And that happens, you get back-ended deals and all sorts of stuff, but it's a lot of money to turn down. Yeah, that's right. But I, I guess, you know what, from a success point of view, if that's kind of what he was after, he's made the right choice. Absolutely, right? he's made the right choice. Absolutely. He sacrificed probably seven hundred grand over the two years of that deal. Yeah. Absolutely the right decision. And he'll go down as a rooster's great. He's got to be right up there, doesn't he now? Oh, he'll be up there. Absolutely. He's played enough seasons with the Roosters now and performance and big games and grand finals. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, let's keep moving. Um, on the same vein yep. with the salary cap, Remy Hayter, the NRL economist. Yes, um, I, I read that. I read that article. Uh, yes. Had a salary about a new way of salary cap proposal. So the players. way basically it yes. works is you get points or you get salary cap relief for, for for the amount of players in your team or squad that have debuted NRL debuted with you. So so it would reward clubs that recruit at junior levels and give teams a. Yeah, that that debut those junior players through to first grade. So the Roosters would be the 
team that's most benefited under that rule because they actually target i know i know all their high profile re- recruits get get the headlines but they actually do target the 15 16 year olds to to have yeah. that coming through and then they give them their first grade year clubs like Parramatta, where other teams poach their players wouldn't get rewarded under this model well not as much no they wouldn't no no they wouldn't it's just empirically they wouldn't the rooster they, they, they showed it in the newspaper right the eels would be on top Parramatta would be near their bottom not surprising the Parramatta has its own proposal of course so did um did dick belides actually um hire remy hater to conduct this well he um, last research? year last year he was a uh, um he was consultant with manly so I, I don't like the proposal i've got to be honest i don't like the proposal you should you should be you should be rewarded for junior nursery that's what you're trying to reward not for giving them a reserve whether they make first grade or not you're, you're rewarded for pumping money into grassroots and getting junior participation up so south should be rewarded the panthers should be rewarded cronulla should be rewarded the eels should be rewarded the Broncos should be rewarded. Townsville should be rewarded. Like these, te- like Melbourne shouldn't be rewarded. Melbourne has next to zero participation down in Melbourne. They recruit from the Queensland system. So, you know, that's, that's kind of... And because you've got these clubs like the Roosters that are very, very well run that target these juniors... They do. They've been notorious for it for years. And they do but this is why they, ca- they can't move forward on these proposals because the clubs are coming from diametrically opposite viewpoints. What did you think of the proposal? Canberra. Canberra nurtures players, right? Yes, Canberra does a lot. Um, to be honest, I like the premise of it. I don't like the way that it was actually proposed as a system. So I think the idea of actually... You, you wanted it on parchment? Juniors through. Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> if, we're, if we're giving it to the emperor, it should be on papyrus yeah. or carrier pigeon. It's more... Carrier um, pigeon, wow. Abdo, Abdo, this pigeon has shat on my throne. <laughs> Clean it up for me. Um, Get Phil on the phone. I like the idea. <laughs> I like the idea of rewarding teams that develop their juniors. I agree with that. I just think they need to find a fairer system that works for all clubs, so that everyone sort of no one's going to be perfectly happy with it. But you can't. I tell have... you who would be penalised under either system: Saints. Saints have got no junior nursery anymore. They don't have any juniors. No, not in the St. George area. It's very small. So the Illawarra, it all comes from Illawarra, right? And when was the last Correct. time yeah. someone so, who came up from Illawarra debuted for them? Well, Toriel Sloan. Oh, sure, sure. But but what I'm saying is it's... it's a, it's it's. But it's not like it used to be. It's not like it used to be, right? No, absolutely not. It's not, not. like when so, we were growing up that... Remember the Illawarra Steels? Rod Wishart was a local. Like, like you went oh, through... There was heaps. There was heaps. Yeah. Mary yeah. McGregor, Rod Wishart. Like, like, there was a lot. They need to find a system that balances all that out. So you've got the clubs like the Roosters who, where they're located, can't have a humongous junior nursery, but, you know, do recruit juniors and bring them through and develop them. But then you also got to reward the teams, like you say, that increase junior participation. I think there's a balance to be found with it. But Remy Hader's proposal, I don't think is it. Yep, fair enough. All right, let's move on to some other news. I've only got... 12 stories to go. It's good that you weren't able to name one story. Well, I mean, you are on the campaign trail. You're on the bus a lot. Yeah, I am on the campaign trail. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, Now, I don't know whether you read this story today in the newspaper about... MAGA, make Australia great again. Did you you read about the dog incident between Jay Arrow's dog that was being walked by Liam Knight? No. No. Okay. What? It mauled another dog and bit its own bit the lady that was walking the dog. Now Liam Knight was walking the dog. It's Jay Arrow's dogs. This was a Bronte yes. Beach, but allegedly Liam Knight made a phone call and then ran from the scene. And and uh, there's horrific pictures online of what happened to the dog, Why the other dog, the other dog. The scene? Apparently Jay Arrow took down all pictures of the dog on social media and all the rest of it. As a dog owner, I've just got to say, what is it that in these situations, the instinct of NRL players is to leave the scene rather than front up? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm surprised he ran away. Like it's a. I mean, those dogs. Those dogs potentially will need to be put down, right? I mean, they're they horrific. They're be. horrific. The injuries to the other dog. You've got to see them online. It's terrible. It's this tiny little puppy that was that was just mauled by these dogs, and the owner got bitten. The other the other lady walking that dog got bitten in the face. What dogs were they? Well, I don't know what Jay Arrow and Liam Knight had. NR, can I just shout out to NR? You've got to do better. You've got, you've they, got to do better. Wouldn't they be better. there to try and help the uh, other owner rather than run? You've got to do better, guys. You've got to do better. It's just every week there's something. If that situation happens, you've got to be there to help the other person and sort out your dogs if you can. I mean, I know it's not an easy thing to do, but you don't run away. What do you do when Misty attacks other cats? Well, cats are a different story. Or other humans. Yeah, she... she she mauls other humans. Does she? She's actually a tiger. Yeah. Okay. She's a mini tiger. Well, you know, freaking tigers this week. Anyway, speaking of, you've got to do better. The New South Wales Rugby League and the Australian Rugby League Commission. So here we go. Yes, we're back again. Last we spoke. Yes. They sent a letter saying, please hold a re-election in three days. Yes. The New South Wales Rugby League has completely rejected these allegations and has asked the NRL or the Australian Rugby League Commission to withdraw its letter and reinstate funding by the 18th tomorrow, actually. We're recording this on the 17th. If not, they will start legal proceedings. And they wrote a rather scathing letter, in which case they singled out the emperor for cutting off contact with them and that he's just running his fiefdom through the NRL, which I don't don't even know where they would get that impression from. (laughs) But Racing New South Wales, probably. The point is... This is likely to end up in court. The NRL is withholding funding. The New South Wales Rugby League does grassroots footy in New South Wales and runs the State of Origin team. And Peter Volandis came out and he said, that's ridiculous. And all they want them to do is there's governance concerns and they just want them to rehold an election. And that's all they want them to do. And they're refusing to do it. So this looks like it's headed towards the courts. It sounds like Yeah, what are your thoughts, G? My thoughts are this is ridiculous. Like... Get together and sort this. It's, it's hard for grown adults that run these sports to behave this way and then lecture the NRL players about how they should behave. Well, this is the thing, right? They're sitting there making rules, yet they're there, you know, arguing about petty stuff, basically telling people, hey, you know, you've got one day to, you know, three days, 72 hours. Funding's got to be withdrawn three days. So by the time they don't even have a chance to even organize themselves, it's just. Smacks of petty point scoring between the two when they should be getting together and sorting this out. I mean, get together and fucking sort it out. That's my thought. Good on you, G. I like it it's when you... It's stupid for the game. Yes, it's stupid for the game. It's stupid. Let's keep going. I'll finish off with um, four stories. One serious, three not so serious. The forward pass technology. Remember when I said to you they've, they've gone quiet on it and then they'll only yes, mention they it. They'll only mention not, it if it works. If it works, it's not working, so, right? Forward pass technology has been trialled in six NRL women's games. They didn't tell anyone that they were trialling them in the six NRL women's games. The data has been submitted to the NRL. And in those six games, there were four forward pass calls made by the referees that was confirmed by the technology and two other passes that should have been called by the referee and weren't. And that is the sum of the data that's gone to the NRL for them to make a decision on whether this technology should come in for next year. I think that firm answer would be, fuck no. Like, I was waiting for the, was there more? No, no, like, no. It's rather underwhelming, the statistics. Yes. I, was gonna, I honestly was waiting for, okay. The bigger issue here isn't... I thought isn't, you were going to say in one game. Is it, the bigger issue here overall. isn't isn't the stats from the call. The bigger no. issue is... There's more than four forward passes in any single game of footy, let alone four across six games. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's more. 
in fours. Like, I thought you were talking about I don't think Mitch Rain, and I've watched him since Saints days, Gold Coast and Parramatta, including tonight. I don't think Mitch Rain has thrown the ball backwards in three years. There are hookers that, if you watch them closely, literally are either line ball or forward just about every play. So I think the technology's not quite up to scratch yet. All right. Oh, God. All right, let's go. Let's keep moving. Um, the Eels' 75th anniversary celebrations were held this week. The club is 75 years old. It's good that our boys could put in such a positive performance against the Tigers to support it on uh, Old Boys Day. Um, yes. Yeah, so good on you guys. Good good effort. And I've got a few things to talk about, Brad Arthur. You're doing a bang-up job coaching a team this talented. 75 years, actually a long history for the Eels. Um, good on them. I like the fact that they still have a sizable support and supporter base. Big crowd out there. I don't need your condescension, G. Jared Hayne wasn't at the celebrations. Yeah, I don't know if he's um, welcome at the moment. Well, that, but hard, do, you, do you erase him from the history? It's an interesting question, right? No, you can't. You can't. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of the football heroes we grew up with, we didn't have the same level of scrutiny in terms of what they got up to in their spare time. But you would hear rumours and things like that, but no one ever sort of brought that back up, if that makes sense. So you can't erase him. You can't. It's not about condoning what he did, but you can't erase him from the history of the sport or the team. Oh, I agree with that. Um, but it, but it does make it tricky for these clubs to. It does. It makes it tricky because what do you do? Do you, by acknowledging his contribution, are you then condoning his conduct? The answer is no. But it is. It's a tricky balance to get that right. I would say. All right. Well, there was another reunion. It was the Roosters' twenty-year grand final reunion. That grand final, of course, was won yep. when the Bulldogs got kicked out of the comp. Correct. Which That's which right. often gets failed to be mentioned as part of this. That, yes, of course. That broke the twenty-six year drought for the Roosters. Mind you, their salary cap was probably still <laughs> higher than ours, but yeah, it's um. <laughs> Yeah, that was when um, Craig Wing was still getting paid by South, even though South weren't in the comp. But whatever. It's good <laughs> yeah, that you've gotten um, over it 20 years later. No, because they never bring it up. Well, they never bring it up. That's right. The one, they never bring it up. And no field goal at the reunion. And Buzz Rothfield made a big song and dance about this, saying his relationship with Nick Politis is si- si- soured. Um, but I'm pretty sure Phil Gould was still in isolation from COVID. <laughs> it's the research. The research done by the press is incredible. Um, this, this Phil Gould versus News Limited versus Fairfax thing is so bloody petty. It is petty because they're kind of point scoring on different stuff and they leave out the main details that you need to know to make a judgment. No, I think Phil wasn't allowed to attend because he had COVID buzz. <laughs> well, did he have it at night or during the day? Well, I mean, so, um, so what if his relationship with Nick Politis is soured, right? I mean, he's at, he's at the Bulldogs now. I mean, speaking of the Roosters, they came out this week and said that they're not interested in paying Haas for a million bucks. Everyone just assumed because of the Sonny Bill relationship that he'd go to Roosters, and I and I and I think that too. I think he will end up I, there. I thought that. Yeah, so did I. I thought that. But um, he, they've denied that they're interested in him. They said they've got a couple of young props coming through that they're really big on, uh, no pun intended, yep. and that they they want to spend their money yep. there. Which is funny because Nick Politis rarely gets quoted, unlike Lee Hadjipentelis, who was back in the press today. Yes, this of week. Of course he was. Yes. No, but um, confessing his love for the West Tigers again. But good on the Roosters for that grand final anyway. They played really well and Brad Fittler was sensational. He was sensational. That, he was um, sensational that year. Series. Yeah, yeah, that year he was um, fantastic. So um, Did he get the Clive Churchill? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. He? did. Or it might have been, was it, or was it Craig Wing? I thought it was Craig Wing. It wasn't Brian Fletcher. All right, let's keep, no. let's, let's keep moving. Um, now, there was some club CEOs on holidays and this caused the kerfuffle in the News Limited media. Um, Justin Pascoe's in the Northern Territory. Well, Craig Fitzgibbon it was. It was Craig Fitzgibbon. Fitzy. Yeah, Fitzy got he it. probably did 
25 tackles and 25 flop tackles. 50 or <laughs> well, we're going to get to Nathan Hindmarsh. If as anybody well, yeah. who's watched Craig Fitzgibbon would know. Well, exactly I know, I know. That, like, like Brian Fletcher gives it to Nathan Hindmarsh about it, but Craig Fitzgibbon used to flop tackle as well. <laughs> All the time. And Brian All Fletcher, Craig, good people, people who remember Brian Fletcher, he was a ball playing silky smooth with ball in hand. He was a fucking turnstile in defence. That's right, correct. He was. He was a turnstile. He was. And it's like having, oh, it's just unbelievable. People forget these players. Anyway, <laughs> the club CEO's holidays. Justin Pascoe was absolutely pilloried because he holidayed in the Northern Territory for two weeks, given the crisis the Tigers are going through um, after his holiday had been cancelled three times because of um, COVID. This, of course, led to Lee Hatch-Pentelis, because his CEO's not here, <laughs> making a press release going, I still speak to him every day, and it's like he's still working. Lee... He's on holidays with his family. Let him go on holidays. This is a non-story. And in the same story, because of the Kalen Ponga situation, Phil Gardner's in Hawaii, the night CEO, holidaying with his family. And again, the uproar from News Limited Press about these people taking their entitled leave entitlements is ridiculous. These people have families and they are entitled to holidays. Why aren't they allowed to have a holiday? I don't understand. Of course they are. It's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous. Far out. Honestly, can you focus on proper shit? If you want to have a go at anyone, you have a go at the chairman. So you have a go at Lee Hatch-Pentelis and the Knights chairman because it would have been agreed that the football directors might go, mate, I don't want you taking holidays during the season. Make sure you take it in the six agreed. months off yes, season. correct. If yes. they've said yes, they're not doing anything more than they're entitled to. No, I've got no issue it's with this School holidays, they might be taking kids away. So no one's been allowed out of the country for two years. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? But for News Limited to really sort of oh, it's just, go it's just the way they do it, right? Focus on this type of stuff. I mean, really, well, that's the way they roll. it's just farcical. All right, let's move on to the biggest news story of the week. And after us talking about streakers last week, there was an article in the press this week <laughs> yes. about how Nathan Hindmarsh has been teaching security how to tackle. How to tackle. Since G streaked in 2013. Oh my God. Since G streaked, since all. you streaked, they go. All. The NRL is the fucking best. This is a big unit. We're going to bring in Nathan Hindmarsh to teach them how to tackle. This is the best. We've got someone who used to known as a tackling machine teaching security guards how to tackle streakers. Oh, fire out. But I thought in response to Waddy, it was in response to Waddy and you. In training, apparently it's known as the G-Clause. It is. So with the Titans, right, it looks like that security guard probably underwent the Nathan Highmarsh tackling tutorial. Because that was a great axta, hit. Textbook. Axta. Yeah. It was like a halfback in his side. Great hit. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. It was an Andrew Johns tackle. Low drive through the hips. Good technique. Um, I wonder what Nathan Highmarsh said about that tackle. Don't know. They probably did a match review afterwards. <laughs> I can't so, believe he's training people security All right. Gee, huh. shall we move into round six? We've been going for 50 yes. minutes with the news. Yes. Jeez. All right. Raiders versus Cowboys on the Thursday night was the first game of round six. The Cowboys... Next. Well, it was a bit like that, right? The Cowboys <laughs> overcame a... a ho- terrible game. Overcame a horror first start. The Cowboys were terrible in this first half, and they quickly went down 12-0. Uh, but they did finish over the top of the Raiders and record an 18-12 victory in Canberra on Thursday night. The Raiders cracked the Cowboys at the first opportunity very early on in the game with Tom Starling darting through a huge hole to cross under the posts. Untouched, just three minutes into the contest. Um, Jordan Rapana crossed in the 15th minute off a lovely Corey Harawira Naira tap on. Bulldogs could use with some of that, could do with some of that. And it could have been an ugly scoreline 10 minutes later, but Elliot Whitehead spilled a Jack White and Grubber in the Cowboys in goal. And that could have actually been the end of the game. It could have, but also also where Schneider had a... You know when he, he saw the winger 
that was wide open and he skewed his yeah, kick. Yeah, he did. If he yeah. had just kicked that just over, that would have been. Well, I, I don't think Schneider had a great game. Um, but but at twelve nil down, they were within reach for the Cowboys. Like that scoreline completely flattered the Cowboys. I mean, I, I agree. That, that's yes. it should have been twenty four nil at halftime, really. Yep. Um, and it looked even better. But I don't know what happens about these fade outs. Remember last year, the Raiders. It's like it's a year and a half. Yes. No wonder Ricky lost his shit after the game, right? Because they gave away. The, I don't know what happens at halftime. But they gave away cheap penalties, six agains, and Helim Luki, who's got a great name, Halumi Luki, crashed through. He brought the cheese. He bought the cheese, crashed through some flimsy right-hand defense to make it 12-6. And the Raiders continued to drop the ball and just give away penalties. They played like the Cowboys did in the first half. And Val Holmes eventually surged through with a wonderful run following some hot potato passing in the 62nd minute to level the scores. Um, and, and really, they wrapped the game up when uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Nanai raced through on a pinpoint Scott Drinkwater grubber in the 71st minute to take an 18-12 lead. And, the, and, and they only led for 10 minutes in this game, North Queensland. Um, just to give you some idea of this game, though, the Raiders had 57% of the ball in the first half and they won. They were winning the penalty count 8-4 at half time By full-time... Yeah. Possession had gone 51% over the whole game. So you can imagine how lopsided it was in the second half. By the end of the game, it was 51% to the Cowboys. They ha- And the Canberra had made 12 errors. So that's how diabolical that second second half was. Jeremiah Nanai gave away four penalties in the first half too so that they were quite out of out of out of step as well so um and and can i just also say this the raiders final 15 minutes was their worst they got worse as the game went on started really well and just deteriorated right they made four errors to one uh, and and the cowboys completely came over the top of them what did you think of this game same thing i thought the raiders um started off pretty well although you know how you leave that much of a gap after three minutes when oh you no it was like you could drive a mac truck through it yeah, it was a humongous gap, and I think that's the difference between the really good sides and the poor sides. Even if the good sides aren't playing badly, that stuff just doesn't fucking happen, right? You know, the Raiders rely a lot on Tom Starling to kind of spark their team. I don't know he's that great a player, G. I don't think so. I just think he gives them speed. He does give him some speed. He's a bit like Damien Cook. Yes, he's like a poor Damien Cook. Yep. His distribution out of dummy half has got to be better, and he's got to be better at picking when he runs. And I feel like Tom Starling's got the same issue. He doesn't have an experienced halfback there, which makes his job even harder. Um, and Jack Whiten, despite 2019, other than 2019, would you say Jack Whiten's a 5'8"? No, I don't think so. Right. He, he, to me, he plays more like a centre. Play him at left centre, make him a bit of a ball player and a crash-through guy. You know, um, because that's kind of how he plays at the moment. They're looking for him to spark the team along with Starling, but... And I think that's why they're struggling to score points because we're talking about at halftime. I thought the Raiders were going to run away with it. And I think um, we did mention Elliot Whitehead splitting that ball, but I also think Schneider, you know, great vision to spot that there was no one there was no one back for the Cowboys, but all he had to do was like just basically chip it into the end goal and it would have been a, a try for the Raiders, but he skewed the kick. Their mistakes just kept the Cowboys far enough but close enough at the same time. So 12-0 instead of being 20-0 down. That's it. Once, like you said, the second half started all of a sudden. The Cowboys started to you know show a little bit of flash flashes towards the back end of the half, I thought, where they, were, they slowly started to get themselves together. But I didn't think they would come back and win the game. I thought the Raiders were all over them, like dominating possession. And in the second half, it just switched around. I mean, Lukey went over like through Schneider. and But also a very simple run. He didn't, you know, bust through. He just went straight between two players very easily. Looks like a good player, right? First, yeah, so. yeah, young kid, quite rangy, tall. This is what Ricky said after the game. I'm sick of yeah. defending playing 40 minutes of football. The way we started that second half was pathetic. There's some individuals who yeah. just didn't start with the way they needed to start. 
the second half to get us back into, onto the front foot, and I'll deal with that when we get back to work. I actually agree with Ricky. I can't disagree and with you, And they've got right? the Panthers because this week, so it's not going to get any better for them. For me, the Cowboys in the second half started to get their attack sort of working. They're a little bit clunky. I think both times were, both teams were a bit clunky, a bit slow, and a bit deliberate in attack, where they're taking that time to make that pass. It's not fluid. But what I liked about the Cowboys is in the second half, I think Val Holmes is back to... Val oh, he's Holmes. playing well. He's playing really well, actually. Like he's, he's playing like almost like a roving fullback yeah. from the centre position. Yeah. So he's involving himself in the game, and he's, he's actually and quite his goal-kicking's excellent as well. His goal kick has been fantastic. Um, once the Cowboys had scored a couple of tries, like you say, the hot potato, Val Holmes coming almost like from a fullback position, hitting the ball at pace and slicing through the defense under the post. And um, that was it, mate. I think once uh, once that happened, the, the Raiders did get worse. It's like the belief just sort of sucked out of them and they just fell away. And the Cowboys um, ended up running away with it. That's right. Good win for the Cowboys. I, I don't think they played that well. Um, but not good signs for the Raiders. No, they're they're they're, in a, they're you know they're in a really tricky spot. I mean, they really should have rebuilt this squad two seasons ago. Really, after twenty twenty, they should have rebuilt this squad. So maybe eighteen months ago, and they've chosen to try and make it work and bring them in. But they're just they're too old. They they got to start a rebuild, right? And, and my question to you is, if you've got to rebuild, is Ricky Stewart the coach? Oh, good question. I don't know, right? Don't I know. don't know. I know it's he's an icon. He's an icon, so it's hard to get rid of him. It's like getting rid of Bob Fulton at Manly. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, I he's not a rebuild coach. God knows when he tried to do it at Parramatta, it ended disastrously. I think he's got the characteristics, but not the right temperament. Does that make sense? No. So, in other words, like he he drives his players, he expects them to perform but he doesn't have the patience and the temperament he loses his shit so if he's rebuilding his temperament it doesn't make him the right fit he's not patient with the players he expects too much too soon and i think that's seen with para and a few other teams where once they've re- their squad got old and they needed to regenerate he really struggled but the guy can recruit i'll tell you that he's always able to recruit players and he can spot talent but rebuilding's not about spotting talent Rebuilding's about taking no. your 16... It's what the Roosters do, right? They come into the system and they become better players through the system, right? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know if Ricky's... I don't know that he's, he, no. he's not that type of player. He's not like a Craig... He's not that type of coach, right? Like, like a Craig Bellamy no. or a... You know, I don't think Wayne Bennett's a rebuild coach. I think Wayne Bennett's got to have the cattle, right? It's not for everyone. Brian Smith's a rebuild coach. Brian Smith can rebuild a score. Brian Smith is... There's a few. It, it depends, depends on the depends what you're looking for, right? You're looking for Nathan yes. Brown. Ironically enough, is a rebuild coach because he's patient. I, I just don't know with Ricky. It's a good question. It'll, it'll, he's going to be under more pressure when, once they lose to the Panthers this week. I think so. I think so. And I think, honestly, I think the Cowboys, despite our preseason prediction, I think they're going to get a little bit better because I find their attack is still a little bit sporadic and erratic because they're trying to fit in drink water with Deedon, with Val Holmes now roving around. Like, they've got too many moving bits at the moment for it to be fluid. Mm. But there's signs that if it clicks... They've got playmakers across the field, which is actually a good thing in the way the game's played at the moment. So they could improve as the season goes on. That's right. All right. All right. So let's move on to the next game of the round. Sorry, I'm just catching up yeah. on the WhatsApps, given I've been no. copying an absolute bloody pasting on the WhatsApp because of the Para-Tigers game. Well-deserved yes. as well, yes. can I just say. So let's move on. to. We're not going to do Bulldogs Hour because I'm in no position to do Bulldogs Hour because otherwise we'll have, to do, no we'll have to do Eels Hour. So no. the, the Friday night game was Souths versus Bulldogs. The Bunnies got up 36 to 16. Having said that, in the early stages, it was the Bulldogs doing all the attacking and they opened the scoring. It was all, all the Bulldogs, right? And they opened the scoring in the 15th minute when Kyle Flanagan delivered a perfectly timed pass over the top for Brent Nathan to cross in the right-hand corner. And he converted the try to make it 6-0. 
Um, six minutes later, the Bulldogs threatened to extend their lead, but Braden Burns was held up over the line. I'll be interested in your thoughts on Braden Burns when I get to the end of this. But the Rabbitohs were also denied in the 25th minute when Kaloa Matangi was pulled up for an obstruction in the lead-up to Josh Mansour crossing on that right edge. But the game completely changed in the 27th minute when the Bulldogs went down a man, when Jeremy Marshall King was sin-binned for repeated ruck infringements. It wasn't just him, but he yes. was the last one to give it away. Yep. And the, Ra- the Rabbitohs ran in three tries, right? It took them three minutes to capitalise when Damian Cook got over from dummy half. Then ca- literally off the kickoff, Campbell Graham then set up Cook for a second try in the space of three minutes. Yes. And that was Lachlan Ilias who put Campbell Graham into that hole. He went right to the line. And both times, very lazy and poor defence from um, middle forwards. It was, it was. Um, and that gave the Rabbitohs a 12-6 lead when, some, when Campbell Graham found Cook for his second try. Um, then, yep. then Cam Murray, Cody Walker and Blake Taft combined to put Alex Johnson over on the left edge for the 139th try of his career. Wow. And Johnston made it a double early in the second half. Um, and that courtesy of a Walker try assist, his first one for the season. Yep. And that made it, yeah, that yes. made it twenty four six. But then the Bulldogs kept coming after that. G, they didn't just put their cue in the rack. Um, Naden was denied a double right when he was ruled to have knocked the ball on into Taft before regathering and touching down. And with fourteen minutes to play, though, the game effectively was put in the rack again. I mean, not that the Souths were ever in any doubt after the sin bidding. No, uh, Cook completed his hat trick. It was his first one of his one hundred and fifty three game career when he picked the ball at the back of a scrum and caught the defence napping. Um, the Bulldogs refused to lie down though, and, and Josh Adokar um, got a, got his first try for the club before the end. But the scoring wasn't finished there because the last try of the game was uh, Isaiah Tass, who was a who Bulldogs junior. You told me um, not a junior, but he was in our he was in our junior teams, and for some reason. I don't know, it wasn't deemed good enough to either be retained. Well, he made you pay. Let, he was put, let go. Yeah, he put the icing on the cake for the Bunnings with a try on debut, uh, which made it 36-10 to 10 before Jeremy Marshall good King on grabbed a late consol- consolation try for the Bulldogs. Lachlan Ilias was best game, I thought, in a, in a Roosters jersey, yes. so so he did he did very, very well. Hand this over to you. It's your team, right? Um, and I thought Matt Dufty really came back into it for the Bulldogs as well. I thought that was, he, you know, it shows a lot of character to bounce back from the game he had last week. He was diabolical last week. Um, and he had 19 runs for 183 metres this, this week and, and eight tackle busts. So I thought he was a lot better as well. But you guys tried. Do you want to mention Phil Gould going off on commentary about the sin binning rules? I usually don't watch Channel 9 commentary, but I have to say watching the Channel 9 commentary for this game was quite illuminating and slightly disconcerting listening to Phil Gould, who actually works at the club, commentate on the club's game. And then, so if he's like, praising a player or not praising a player they out of first grade next week how does, how, does, how does it work or whenever there's not a rub of the green he's trying to be impartial but he gets a little bit more emotional if it's against the Bulldogs but I also sensed listening to Phil Gould a sense of resignation to some degree in his commentary like as in he's commentating the game but he could just sort of see that the Bulldogs were never going to win and it was interesting listening because, you know, he gets excited, excitable sometimes. He was in one of those moods where they're just bantering about rubbish because they're bored. Well, it wasn't a great game. It wasn't a great game. I think, look, the dogs started off okay. There was a little bit of movement of the ball. They tried to throw, a, try a few different things. But again, it's very um, sporadic and one out. So if someone makes a break, there's no one there following them up to play off that. It's let's get ready for the next plays. But having said that, I thought the first 20, 20 minutes... They were 20, 25 minutes. They were the dominant team. But South held them out too easily. That was good to see Kyle Flanagan give a great try assist and a great vision with a pass to Naden and see him score as well. I thought South, I wouldn't say were struggling, but they were just sort of finding their way in the game. And then once the Simbian happened, 
and this isn't due to the Simbin South just clicked into gear. There was poor defence by the Bulldogs three sets in a row, and before you know it, it's eighteen six. And you know, I, I felt for them over. though. You're down to twelve, right? I mean, you did, what I will say about you guys, I think you've played South into a bit of form. It was good to see Damian Cook aggressive for South because they need him to be aggressive because Ilias is still a youngster. He's still finding his feet. He's getting better by the week, but he's going to have there's going to be inconsistency because he's a rookie, but. So they need Damien Cook to be in that aggressive mindset. And unfortunately for us, he was actually aggressive against the Bulldogs. But his first try, way too easy. Nothing special, just out of dummy half. Lazy defense by Dufty and Max King. And then straight off the kickoff, you basically had Luke Thompson waiting for someone else to make the tackle. And by the time Campbell Graham got through, the gap was there and he couldn't recover. I think he's been playing quite well, Campbell Graham. He's He's actually been pretty good this year. And, you know, the inside board's cooked. I think he'll be named at right centre before Bradman Best, just quietly. It's a possibility, yes. Um, And that was it. And then once they spread the ball and they found AJ a little bit too good um, for our defence that was coming in and not really scrambling well either. So once they got around them, it was basically a try. And then South started to just tear them apart. The Bulldogs still tried. I can't say they weren't trying, but it's not working. The way they're attacking, they're one-out running... They're not challenging the defence. And to be honest, mate, to keep that up for 80 minutes and keep a defensive intensity, eventually you start to fall away. Because if you're struggling, mentally it's hard. Phil Gould said something diff- interesting during the week. And, and I want you to bear this in mind because I think he's actually right. Like, like Phil Gould, for all his politics and all the rest of it, he knows his stuff. Of course he does. Were you guys last or second last last year? You were last. Last. And you were eight points behind second last. Correct. And we won two games. Yeah, but, you're, two games. but this is what Phil Gould said during the week. He goes... Our fans have got to remember, we are coming from a long way back. I think the fans aren't getting that. And then we've also seen the signings. Gee, you were one of them. Remember how much debate we had last year? You were always I was saying, optimistic at the start. You, you didn't have any cattle. And, and and I said this to you before this season started as well. You don't have a spine. You were, you, you, were, you were much more optimistic on Matt Dufty than I was. You don't have a halfback. Matt Burton's a centre playing 5'8". And your hooker's Jeremy Marshall King. Like, like That's where every other team starts their team from, from the spine. And you guys are built up the other way. But you'll have you'll have Reed Marnie next year and you'll have Kikau at halfback. Yeah, probably. It's good to see Kyle Flanagan. He's the best halfback we've got at the club. But if I watch him, I could probably name four halfbacks that we probably could have signed that are actually better than him that would be in first grade. Well, if I'm the Bulldogs, if I'm the Bulldogs, if I'm the Bulldogs, I go to the UK. Or Nico Hines. Why don't they go after Nico Hines? Don't know. Look, I don't think it would have mattered because I think Trent Barrett's tactics would have gotten Nico Hines killed. But um, yeah, but you didn't. You don't need another second rower. You've got to over. You're you're oversupplied in second rowers. Of course we are. Um, and big boppers, but. There's an over-reliance at the moment to Josh Jackson. Like, we're going, trying to get him to play like Isaiah Yo, but he doesn't have the speed. Yeah, he is. That's, I'm glad you picked that up. But can I just say the something speed, to you? The speed, the ability, and the fluidity to do it. And It's not like last year. Last year, I thought he looked off the pace. Josh Jackson is really trying. Oh, he's trying hard. I thought, oh, this guy's coming to the end. But this year, he's been better. I think he's been better. I, I get what you're saying. They're asking him to do something that's not in his skill set, and I get that. No, it's not. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But I, I look at it. I, I, will, I had worries about Josh Jackson's career last year, and I, and I don't. I think he's probably got a bit of legs left in him then, based on so far five, five, six games this year. He needs his minutes monitored a little bit to keep him fresh. But look, they tried hard, but ultimately South has just had a little bit too much class, and some of the defence for Cook's tries was very poor as well. 
Braden Burns, I think, going out hampered that left hand, the right hand side attack as well, because you you had a, you had to have an adjustment, and the defense just didn't know what they were doing, to be honest. But um, and good to see Ado Car score, and also Isaiah Tass that we mentioned on his debut, and he looked like he we might be hearing a little bit more about him towards the back end of the year for South. I think he showed a, a few flashes in that game. He's one of those guys, like Kaloa Matangi was that right? You give him a debut early, and then he comes good towards the end. Yeah, he he looked like he had a little bit of footwork. I, I think they're hoping pace, Lachlan Ilias is like that. But halfbacks are different position, right? So anyway, different. But yeah, good win to South um, Dogs. Really struggling to score points, mate. But you got a big game against position. the Broncos coming up. Um, so, but yeah. we'll talk about that. The second game on Friday night was the Panthers versus Broncos. The Panthers made it six wins in a row to start their premiership defence and their twentieth win in a row at home, uh, with a forty to twelve victory over the Broncos at Bluebet. Um, Scott Sorensen played a starring role from the bench, and Appy Carousel I thought controlled the ruck. Um, as the Panthers kicked away in the second half to rack up their 20th win. As I mentioned, they haven't lost since, I can't remember what round, but it's, it's 2019 since they last lost at home. Um, and you've got to remember, they played a lot of games in Queensland in the intervening because of years because of COVID. It was a confident start, though, by the Broncos, um, and, and they got the first yeah, points. Yeah, yeah Tessie New crossed after Katoni Staggs left Isaac Targo and Jeremy Lu- Jerome Luai in his wake. And Katoni Staggs had another barnstormer this year. Uh, and he, he offloaded to uh, Tessie New to go, who went over. Um, the Panthers clicked into gear in the 21st minute when Luau beat a couple of defenders on his way to the line and scores were level at 6-all at this point. Staggs was in the thick of the action again in the 26th minute when he chased a new grubber and looked to have given Brisbane the lead, but replays showed the star centre had lost the ball on the way to the ground. That's happening quite a bit this season. I was, yeah. was going to say. Like, I don't know what it is, but totally... it's almost like it's almost like cricket, the Herschel Gibbs catch. They're, try, they're celebrating before they've actually done it, right? So in in the shadow of halftime, though, it was the Panthers getting the upper hand when Sorensen took a pass from Isaiah Yo and raced 25 metres to score to make a 12-6 at halftime. Eight minutes into the second half, both sides went a man down when the slapathon happened between Keenan Palacia and Panthers fullback Dylan yes. Edwards. Just on that, what did you think of that? Do I mean, you think do you, do you think that um, do you think that Dylan Edwards or Palacia was talking about the other person's partner or wife? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it was it was a, keep it was your a, wife's name out of my out of your mouth, okay? It was a bit like that. It was a bit. Which one was which one was um Chris Rock though? Apparently Dylan Edwards can throw them. Dylan Edwards looks like an a guy that wouldn't be angry, but I reckon he's angry. Dylan, he's Dylan Edwards looks chest. like a it's psycho massive. from Penrith. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's what Dylan right. Edwards looks like. Whereas I think Palisier is tall and he looks like he'd be scary, but he's probably a bit yeah, of a gentle yeah, giant. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think D- D- Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Edwards Dylan Edwards looks like you know he's got a gun collection. Oh, I, by the way. He <laughs> probably does. He's probably hunting the kangaroos yeah, correct, out of Mulgoa. Correct. Where was I? All right, after the sin bidding. So the Broncos had, had conceded a penalty for a flop before Edwards and Palacia had a, had their difference of opinion. And with Coruscant running right, the Panthers started to pick the Broncos' defence apart. And Charlie Staines was the beneficiary of some great lead-up work to score in the 52nd minute. Um, Nathan Cleary then stamped his class on the game with a pinpoint cross-field kick for Taylor May, who's been playing brilliantly to, to gather and score uh, for the home side's fourth try. And at this point, it was 22-6, yes. and the game was effectively over. Liam Martin was the next to get his name on the scoreboard as the Panthers took complete control. The Broncos continued to hang tough, and they pulled one back when Reynolds laid on a try for Stags with a well-weighted kick. But Spencer Lenu then powered over from close range soon after to take the margin back to 22 points. A penalty try to Isaac Tago um, when he was pushed in the back by Katoni Staggs rounded out the scoring for the Panthers. Um, it was a soft penalty try, in my opinion. But, I mean, the good thing was it didn't have a bearing on the result, right? No, Nathan Cleary 
um, was placed on report for a hip drop tackle and only received a fine, which was interesting given he's the premier player in the game. Yes, um, of course he did. Yeah, what did you, and Scott Sorensen was I thought was brilliant when he came on. So I guess lucky Nathan Cleary wasn't Marcelo Montoya. It's not quite the same thing. No, not the same thing, but I mean in terms of penalties. I mean, just just to reiterate the Scott Sorensen point, um, he finished with 223 metres from 16 runs in 37 minutes of game time. That's unbelievable. Those statistics are unbelievable, actually. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And he could have found a spot at the Sharks or anyone else. He was kind of a late pickup for the Panthers, like a, a bench to round out the squad yeah, type of guy, yeah. and he's become integral to their side. Yeah, he right? has at the moment. That's right. Just like you, I just and I think that stat says it all, right? The Panthers, for me, dominated just the metres they were marching up and down the field, although I do think, and line breaks, Talon May, again, just, far. what a find. Can't believe it. Well, kind of it's not a find. It's Toto. not a find. He was in the Tyrone, yeah, May, yeah, Tyrone I mean, May's like, brother. Does he get a run if Brian Toto doesn't get injured? You know well, what I mean? Well, that's right. And he's been incredible. Broncos, sorry, started off really well. I think Tony Staggs, is, they're, they're trying to get him involved the last few weeks and give him early ball. And you can see when they do, it frees him up to really attack the defence. And no one's really handled him quite uh, that well so far. And it was good to see new score. And I think that the Panthers were a little bit arrogant to start the game, I don't, or a little bit cocky, I think. You know, kind of casual in the way they were playing, not out of like mentally out of, but just kind of like pacing themselves, like they're just. Well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they've hit top gear yet for eighty minutes. No, no. And then for me, like once that happened, once they started to get back into the game, and the field position started to change, then you had that great try to to step through the defence by um, Jerome Luai. I thought, you know, the and the Broncos kept on coming. Katoni Staggs dropped the ball, and it looked like it was going to be a close game. Then I think the Scott Sorensen try was was a big one before half time. Um, great step by the way. I didn't realise he could step like that and then sprint thirty five metres to score a try. So it was a pretty good pretty good try. But I thought towards the back end of the half the Bron- the Broncos were just hanging on. As in they were scrambling well, they were defending okay and the Panthers couldn't quite crack them. It was a matter of time. And then I think in the second half, mate, once the ball started flowing, the Panthers just clicked into gear and then you know Game Charlie over. Stain scored as you say and then that's it. It basically was a point a minute after yeah. that. And it ended up being 40 to 12. They're just um, the kicking, the great kick by Cleary, you know, forward stepping past plays in the middle of the field, offloads. Like, they're just, they've got everything. Mate, the Broncos tried hard, but far, the Panthers, just a class Pass above. above. They were, the way they're playing at the moment, they're playing in spurts, I think. And that's where my comment about a little bit of the cockiness comes into it. The way they're going at the moment, I'll tell you what, it's going to take an amazing performance to beat them. That's just right. even in a normal game. If they turn up, I think they're going to beat themselves before somebody beats them. After seeing the Eels today, I just I think the Eels are a bit pretenders. So I think I think I really think it's a racing two. I think it's the Storm and the Storm and the um, Panthers. Yeah, but just so far, mate, I, I don't know. I can't really see them losing a game at home if they're if they're switched on. Yeah, that's no one right. Is going to beat them at home. All right, great, too good. All right, let's out. let's move on to shitty Saturday. Have I got that right? Yeah, we're at shitty Saturday now. Uh, first up was the Manly Manly Seagulls versus the Cowboys. Um, the Titans, the crazy Titans. Oh, did I miss the Titans game? Did I? No, that's Manly and Titans. Oh, Manly and Titans. Sorry. Yes. I. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, so we move on to shitty Saturday. Um, Manly versus the Titans. The Manly got up twenty six eighteen. Um, Daily Cherry Evans and Kieran Foran continued their hot start to twenty twenty two, and they survived the late scare. Right. The bloody Titans again. <laughs> what do you say? mate? What do you say about these about these these games? Right, Ch- Ch- Cherry Evans and Foran had two try assists and three line break assists between them. 
Um, and DCE's that kicking game has continued to be superb. He tormented the Titans back three all night. Um, they had 16,000 at, point, at pine, uh, Four Pines Park. I was going to say, great crowd. Great crowd, see great it, crowd. Um, packed, right? Yeah. Same as at the Panthers. That's right. That's right. It's and good to see I, the crowds I do have a different question. It is. It's great. I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to the Anzac Day game, as you know, and I think that'll. Yes. I think we'll get close uh, to a full house there. I hope so. I, it's. It'll be a fantastic day out. You know, Four Pines weren't they like a a microbrewery? Well, they're they're macro brewery now. Yeah, I was going to say, at what point do you switch over to just become a brewery? They're sponsoring the bloody Sea Eagles for God's sake, and their and their stadium. Correct. So I'm guessing they're more than just a microbrewery. <laughs> I think so. So, anyway. May as well call it Tui Stadium. That's right. But the new stand, new stand at Brookie looks great. It does look great. Um, It was Cherry Evans who got the ball rolling in the 12th minute with a deft grubber for um, Ola Katawu to score, which whose name I always... He's been playing... You butcher his name. Every week. It's every week. And can I just say, he's making it hard for me because he's playing out of his skin too. He's playing really well. And I've got to say it every week. I it every week. It makes me laugh. I'm like, one week you almost get it right, then you butcher it the week after. Then you get it Sorry. 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 Olawakatu. Um yes. Sorry, but he's been playing really, really well. He, he got the first one. He's been unbelievable, actually. And and I think um, Des mentioned it after the game how well he's been playing. The lead was doubled 10 minutes later when Jake Trebojevic and Kieran Foran combined on the left edge to give Ruben Garrick... Uh, just to, just He just strolled over the line. Uh, yeah, basically, yes. Ola Katawu made, made a, a double in the 31st minute when he stormed onto a short ball from Lachlan Croker and proved unstoppable close to the line. Um, the Titans pulled one back just before the break. They do this every week, just before the break. They start yes. playing. Yep. Um, when David Fafita, you know, became the incredible Hulk and powered through two defenders yes. and delivered yes. a quick pass to Jermaine Asako. He scored wide out. It was 24-4 um, early in the second half, though, when um, Foran took a pass from Cherry Evans and dummied past two Titans tacklers to grab Manley's fourth. And then you think this is game over, but it's the Titans, right? And then they just dominated the last half hour. They, they Yeah. Gold Coast set about working their way back in with, in the 51st minute when Phil Sami uh, flew high to tap a Toby Sexton kick down to AJ Brimson, who lobbed a pass over to Brian Kelly for a try. And again, in the, seven minutes later, when Fafita disposed of Kieran Tuapalutu and Foran on a trademark bulldog bollocking charge to the line, um, when skipper Tino Fasua Malawi surged through the, in the 66th minute to cut the margin to six. At that point, you're thinking, geez, the Titans are going to do it, right? Um, yeah, that's and, what and, I thought and, as yeah, well. Yeah, and Manly lost forward win. Sean Kepi for the last 12 minutes after for a HIA. And then Ola Katawu, which, sorry, Ola. <laughs> Just don't. Yeah. Was also forced off with cramps, which is the softest reason to ever come off. Drink more water, yes, <laughs> Ola Katawu. that would help. Um, as, as the Seagulls desperately clung on. A penalty against Tino, though, for being offside in front of the points handed Cherry Evans the chance to knock over two points, and Manly had some breathing space. It took the lead out from six to eight points. It was 26-18, and that's the way it stayed, except for a scare uh, when Bo Firma looked to have pulled one back at the death for the Titans, but an offside ruling in the lead-up play ensured, unfortunately for the Titans, that there would be no miracle comeback. The the, the Eagles, the Sea Eagles did really, really well given they also lost Josh Aloaie after just 14 minutes to a burner on his right shoulder. Yep. And um, Titans fullback also, Jermaine Asako, left the field two minutes before halftime, but he was able to come back on. Um, Taniela Paseka, in the absence of Josh Aloaie, he got through 18 runs for 180 metres with four tackle breaks, so he was fantastic. And the Gold Coast's four losses this season have been by a combined total of 20 points. They just, they just, they, they, they give up too much of a lead. This is the problem. They are who they are now in terms of give up leads, 
points seesaw in their games. They've got games within a game, basically, where they're down 16-0, then they're they're ahead, and then all of a sudden they let in another two tries, or they start off at 20-0 and the other team runs them down. They have these big swings in momentum and points. On Let me tell you, the other thing is Kieran Foran's looking playing sensationally for them as well. He has. Kieran Foran played, has been playing really well. I thought in the first half... I thought it was fairly even. I thought the Titans tried to sort of push Manly's defence a little bit at the beginning of the game, but I thought Manly's defence was actually quite solid. Kind of held them quite well. And then Titans, they start... It's almost like they get tired, and then they give away silly penalties, field position, and then their defence can scramble well, but then you get a massive hole. But it's week after week. This reflects poorly on Justin Holbrook. Like, the coach needs to be arrested to be able to arrest this. Yeah, the Garrick try went through a gigantic hole with no one near him when there was... The numbers didn't even match up. It was just Patrick Herb. I think that right-hand side defence... I mean, Ruben Garrick scores an amazing amount of points against the Titans. He scored 60 points, 7 tries and 16 goals in his last three games against the Titans. He's, he's playing really well. He's actually playing really well, Ruben Garrick. I mean, at some point, they've got to consider him for, for origin. You know what? He would, be in, he would be in the consideration. I'd have to think about, for example, who else is there, but he'd be close to it. Absolutely. But, you know, that right-hand side defence of Herbert, Fafita... You know, there's there's a bit of an issue there with the Titans and Marju. They get caught out and stepped really easy. That's where Foran stepped right through two, three easy tackles. He should have been brought down by Fafita. But Manly just built the lead bit by bit. And I like, again, when Dylan Walker came on, they started to straighten their attack a little bit more. And Oluwakatu just terrorized the Titans. I've noticed that Manly started to use the kick behind the line quite often in the last few games to actually stop fast-moving defensive line. Yeah, yeah, but they're kicking early. And they're, they're giving the defence something to think about, but Cherry Evans has got it on the string. Oluwakatu scored the first try, then like you said... Like, they, they, they kick more. They kick on the fourth tackle more than any other team in the comp. Very much a field position team. It's very much a Des Hasler thing. But it's also, um, he's also kicking with the fullbacks, not back, right? So he's trying to get pin them down. Yeah. Cherry Evans has been sensational with the boot the last few games, and Oluwakatu just kept on terrorising the Titans. But, yeah, he has he been sensational, one. but it's the tactics as well. You've got to give Des some credit here. He's kicking earlier. Oh, no, definitely tactics, yeah. Absolutely. And then, you know, they just built up too much of a lead, T, 20, you know, 22 Next week when we do it, we're just going to go, it's the Titans. That's our review. It's the Titans. That, that's what it is. And then for Feeder's try, we turned into the Hulk. How about the palm on bloody Davey? Just shoved him out of the way. <laughs> he is the Hulk. He's the bloody Hulk. He Honestly, reminds me a lot of Dave Taylor, you know. Yes, yes. Good call. Not as much. Not Dave as Taylor was a better skills. better ball player and, and less less explosive on the charge. He's got that a giantness to him. You know what I mean? He kind of slips off tackles and, and then he does stuff like that that you just think, God. You know what? Do you know Do you know how dangerous Dave Fafita would be if he could play football? Oh, he'd be unbelievable. He'd be unbelievable if he could play footy. He can't play footy. Not really. No, no, they just give him the ball and they go, run. <laughs> if, he could, if he could actually pass and kick and actually know the tactics and stuff like that and, and, and be a good defender, he'd be unbelievable. And when he scored that second try, right, that was great football by the Titans to offload, pass the ball around. All of a sudden, he got it with a bit of space. And there's Ford Mandy defenders trying to get him from 30 metres out. Just charged straight through and scored. Tino scored and was set up by a great ball by Will Smith. I thought the Titans were going to charge home. Because I thought... I'll tell Mandy... you what, sorry to make this about para, but I would have kept Will Smith as my backup hooker than Mitch Rain. Like, we lost the end of that swap. Look, I like Will Smith. I think he's underrated. But you can stick him at hooker. Change of pace off the bench. And he can yes, pass I the ball so. backwards. <laughs> he can. But yeah, I look, Titans, I thought Manly's defence generally was okay and the tries the Titans scored were spectacular in a way and off kicks. But 
ultimately, I thought Manly sort of pared back their attack a little bit and tried to grind out the win in the last 15 or 20 minutes, and they were lucky to get away with it in the end. But they were the better side for most of the game, I thought. But the Titans... Uh, Well, let let me give you a quote. Justin Holbrook, similar to last week, to be honest, we didn't take any chances in the first half, didn't stop any of theirs, and then chase the game again. It doesn't make sense because we burn all our energy and then find a way to have a crack in the second half. Justin, that's a very good quote, but I just want to remind you of something. It's been going on for a year and a half. You're the coach. Yes, it's been going on for a year and a <laughs> it's half. It's been going on for a year and a half. I honestly, I would love to see. I think the Titans have got a really good coaching unit in terms of the way they play football. I don't think so. But defensively and fitness wise, I'm wavering on that. I am. They're lacking on that. in some of the basic stuff that other teams. I look at that Titans team well. and I go, if they had Craig Bellamy or Wayne Bennett, you know, they're a team that needs a Craig Bellamy style of coach. If they can get a Craig Bellamy style of coach, they've actually got enough talent, enough players there to make that work. Yeah, but they, I, I just their season's sort of wavering at the moment. They seem to be on the precipice of playing well, but they just seem to be a little bit, just a tiny step behind. All right, it's the Storm versus the Sharks in the match of the round, what was perceived as the match of the round beforehand. The Storm got up 34-18, and it was inspired by a Cam Munster masterclass. It was a high-quality game, I thought, and, and, and the Sharks were in it for large swathes of this game. But just too much star power, right? In addition to Cam Munster, Pappenhausen, Olam, and Nelson Asofa Solomona also played starring roles, and they, they, they look like they're going to be hard to stop the Storm. Nico Hines opened the scoring with a penalty goal, um, and it was but it was Olam posting the first try of the night in the 21st minute after Munster had created space on the left with a superb cutout pass to Nick Meany who found his centre back on the inside. The Sharks answered with a brilliant team try, which started in their own half, with Hines kicking crossfield for Jesse Ramian and was finished off two plays later by Talakai, who's been out playing out of his skin. But Talakai's also on the verge of being a little bit too big, if you know what I mean. So he needs to take that balance at the moment. He's another Latrell, right? While he's young, yes, he can carry close. the pud. Yeah. So Talakai finished it off after Hines Toby Rudolph and Matt Moylan and Will Kennedy at all handled in the lead-up. Munster then lit up Amy Park with a dazzling solo try from 40 metres out to make it 12-8 to the home side, and they maintained that lead at the break thanks to a Felici Kafusi try-saver on, on Matt Moylan, who's also been playing really well, which we've made remarks about in the last few weeks. The Storm made a remarkable start to the second half after Cronulla failed to gather the kickoff, and Olam scored from the subsequent scrum 10 metres out, literally on the first play. They dropped the ball, and then they scored straight away. Um... And, and it was effectively game over from there, wasn't it? Some brilliant hands by Talakai opened the door for Mulatalo to hit straight back for the Sharks in the 47th minute. But you felt like the storm were kept, kept coming. Uh, and and Men- Munster stepped up again to put Ryan Pappenheisen over for his eighth try of the season almost immediately. Mulatalo's second of the night came courtesy of a sweet pass from Talakai, and the Sharks had shown plenty of resilience to pull back within six points at this point. But a burrowing effort by Harry, Harry Grant out of dummy half in the 64th minute gave the storm breathing space again at 30-18. to 18. The Sharks were penalised for a high shot on Olam and Pappenheisen, whose goal kicking has been brilliant, made it 32-18. to 18. Another penalty in the 72nd minute hand Pappenheisen a simple shot directly in front, taking his personal tally to 18 points, and, and that's the way it finished, right? And, and Melbourne's win was their fifth of the season and lifted them above the Sharks in second place. Behind the unbeaten Panthers, Dale Finucane only lasted eight minutes in this game against his old team after he was taken off for a HIA after an attempted tackle by ne- on Nelson Asofa Solomona. Um, and Felici Kafusi was placed on report in the ninth minute for a late contact on Nico Hines. He went on report again in the second. He's so dirty, Felici Kafusi. He went oh, on yeah, report in the second he, he's, he's for a crusher. He's, on the he's the worst. He might be the dirtiest player in the game. Um, 
Cameron McInnes probably is one of Ca- one Cameron of. McInnes went on report for a hip drop tackle on Ryan. Pat- I mean, this was great. This was a great game because it was two dirty teams playing each other. So, <laughs> so it was it was brilliant, right? Um, but but great win by the Storm. Uh, and but but I thought the Sharks showed enough to say that they were in the top four contention. Oh, absolutely! I thought it was a, a great game. It was a good, high quality game. Very high quality. Very game. high quality game. The Sharks started off really well, and both teams were testing each other's defense out for a while, and no one really sort of got were able to breach the defense. But there was a lot of ball movement, a lot of um, good play and passing movements and things like that. Until then, Matt Munster. Magic ball to Nick Meany and cut out the Sharks' defence. It was a really precise pass. And then Meany like, passed back to Oldham to score a try. The Sharks showed they could trade punches with the Storm. The Storm ultimately were a little bit too good. But every time they scored, the Sharks would pick them back. And I think after that, you saw you know Hines with that sort of early kick to the wing to get Jesse Ramian, who had a great battle with Justin Oldham, by the way, throughout the game. It was really cool. Yeah. But to actually have the guts... Both, both are playing up, really well. They are. So to kick that over and then have... Um, the Sharks then be on the attack when they were camped in their own line, then all of a sudden spread the ball for Talakai to score. Then it was, again, like you said, Munster, a bit of magic, oh, dummies. He was brilliant. Places. Best individual performance of the round. Yeah, he was brilliant. He was fantastic. Man of the match. Like the second half started, like you say, it was a very close game at halftime, and then straight away they got that try, the Storm, to sort of you know increase that lead to 18-6, and then the Sharks, I think, were up against it. But then that left-hand side, like you say, with Talakai and Mulatalo, and Moylan, far they played some good footy. And Mulatalo scored a couple of great tries. But Munster, again, bust through. And Pappenheiser looms up on the inside. As soon as the Sharks got back into the game. And then under the post for a try by Ryan Pappenheisen. And they just kept that 12-point lead going the whole time, right? But when Mulatalo scored his second, I thought the game might be on. But then Harry Grant scored, like you say, straight after that. And then I think they just held him off. And the Sharks just trying to get back into the game, but just couldn't do it. I think it was a great performance by the Sharks. I think if you're the Sharks, you say to yourself, hey, we're up at that level. Oh, yeah, they're, they're a top four side, man. Whether they make the top four or not, they're top four quality. Yes, absolutely. And with the Storm, I think it was just a good performance against a good side, and they were ultimately too good, which is a good sign as well. Like, at your best, you can still beat these teams when you need to beat them. So, great game, good win for the Storm, but a good performance by Cronulla too. Yeah, great job. All right, thanks, G. Good analysis. <laughs> the Sunday games. Oh, actually, no. Was this a Sunday or Saturday? Long weekend. Long weekend stuffed me up. Long weekend stuffed me up, right? Sunday games. Was, first up, it was the Roosters versus the Warriors. And the Roosters secured their fourth win of the season, beating the Warriors 22-14 in a hard-fought yeah. encounter at the SCG, which I will be at with our mate Matty um, for the Anzac Day game. And I'm looking, for the arm, looking forward to the Armed Services versus Turkish Rugby League beforehand, which is going to be great. We're going to go to the pub beforehand, and then we're going to have Turkish food afterwards, which will be great on Anzac Day. On a day, the Roosters were celebrating, which I mentioned in the news, their 2002 Premiership victory, which they only won, frankly, because the Roosters, the the Bulldogs were kicked out of the comp. I'm saying that as an Eels supporter. Like, you guys were by far and away the best team that year. Yeah, had a great balance side that oh, year. Oh, you were fantastic that year. I mean, you were... But the Roosters, those, that period between two, they were great, and that was the rivalry, right? That was side. the rivalry. I mean, yeah, you guys were 15 million over the salary cap, though. So, with, with that... <laughs> Um, but now, I didn't think the Roosters were at their convincing best, but they did enough in the second half to secure the win. Um, the Warriors shot out of the blocks early in the contest to set up an 8-0 lead with Aiden Fanua Blake busting the line to Ernie Sider. Penalty goal before Edward Kosey finished off a backline movement on the left edge inside 15 minutes. An error from Warriors centre Adam Pompey enabled the tricolours to get on the board in the 28th minute with James Tedesco creating space for Kevin Nykama and Daniel Tupo to combine on the left edge from the scrum. 
The Warriors... Second half started poorly with Reese Walsh kicking the ball out on the full. From there, the home side got down to the other end of the field before kicking a penalty goal to level the scores. Um, further tries to Kevin Nykama and Sam Walker allowed the Roosters to take a 20-8 lead with a quarter of the game left, but the visitors got back into the contest. A spectacular Warriors try started by Sean Johnson and finished by Dallin Wateni Zelezniak set up a grandstand finish until a failed captain's challenge to failed to stop the momentum. The Roosters were awarded a penalty goal late in the match to kick their way out to an eight-point lead after Angus Crichton was ruled to have been interfered with while playing the ball by Pompey. Sam Walker kicked better during this game. He was perfect five from five. Yeah, he hasn't been kicking well. But it was a scratchy win would be the way I'd describe it for the Roosters. And that's the way they've been playing. They haven't looked perfect yet, right? They're a bit like South. South and the Roosters are a little bit the same. They feel like, um, you know, they, they haven't hit top form yet. Um, for the Roosters, I think I think I think Sam Verrill's made a made a difference for them, right? And the Jesse Arthur's no try, I think, really swung the game for the Warriors uh, away from the Warriors. And they both got an, the eight day turnaround now. The the Warriors play Melbourne in the traditional Anzac Day encounter, and the Roosters have got Saints at the SCG. What did you think of this one? You know, they keep on winning, but would I say they're overly impressive? No, they keep on building. It's like they're building. They're finding their way into the season, but it's not all working. I think they've been lucky to get away with. They're just some disjointed, of the wins, right? They're really been, disjointed. Yeah, they're just nothing's kind of clicking properly for a whole eighty minutes. Um, they had a slow start. I thought Fanua Blake was on fire at the start. Whether he was fired up for this game or not, it was good to see Joseph Suwali back in. But I thought it was relatively one-sided early. The Warriors, I thought, were quite on top, and they got out to that eight-point lead. But they couldn't build further than that. Like the Roosters' defence is still pretty good, and it sort of keeps them in the game. Although sneaky um, something, can I just say I think their edge defence is the worst I've seen it in three or four years. I would agree with that. I think that at times it's a bit hit and miss this year. It's a bit year, hit and miss this year, right? The last right? few years, it's almost impenetrable the last few years. But this year, there are some holes. But it's not the traditional Roosters defence. I, 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 let's just put no. it that way. And Joey Manu has almost given up his defence for his attack. Joey Manu looks great with ball in hand. And, and he's actually missing quite a few tackles at the moment. He's getting caught out in space sometimes. Now, whether that's something they need to adjust or because they're always changing edges and wingers all the time, like every week has had a different winger or a different partner. Then once they clicked into gear, they scored the try to, to Daniel Tupu. I think Reese Walsh almost scored and Fletcher Baker came up with a great try that I think would have given the Warriors a little bit of momentum. Um, but it held them back and then the Roosters scored off a bomb, a, a kind of lucky bomb. Um, it was great pressure, sun in the eyes of Dallin-Wateni Zelezniak and you know, fumbled the ball and they scored. And then Sam Walker went through poor defence by, I hate to say this, Reese Walsh and Sean Johnson. <laughs> at least it's not, at least it's not, at least not Cody Nikarima. No, it wasn't. Um, but, you know, he's a pretty small bloke. He shouldn't be shrugging those guys off that easily. <laughs> and and that sort of gave them that, that buffer, um, you know, put them out a little bit too far ahead, 20 to 8. And then from there, I think it was just going to be a Roosters win. Although the play of the game was... A bit of SJ and Reese Walsh combo magic, and Reese Walsh somehow having the vision to see the winger surrounded yeah, by four yeah. guys and kicking it straight to him. And with Tenley Zelezniak scoring in the corner. But I mean, that was more a highlight rather than really getting the Warriors back into the game. I think the Roosters had, had it won with 20 minutes to go, and um, the Warriors weren't good enough to, to pick them back. But another good, another win. You're kind of waiting for them to click into gear. It looks like it's taking a while, but, you know, they're winning in the meantime. So a good win for the Roosters, but the Warriors, you need to adjust your style of footy to suit the personnel you've got sometimes. They're, they're in games, but they just don't score it. It is the Roosters, right? They've, they've, look, the Warriors and the Cowboys look good this year. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? 
fair enough. Yeah, but good win. Good win. Roosters. All right, let's move on to Saints versus Knights. Um, this was a good game. I thought this was a good game. Now, I don't think it was high quality, but it was a good game for the shithousery factor, particularly with Zach Lomax jumping on Tyson Frizzell. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Zach, Zach Lomax looks like he's just, it's all getting to his head a little bit, right? There was the stuff with Matt Dufty a couple of weeks ago. There was this one with Tyson Frizzell. Just, and you remember the no-look pass that went like they should have scored? Zach Lomax, how about you concentrate on your footy a little bit? Couldn't get away with this with yeah, any other yeah, coach. Okay. I was going to say to you, is it just... Ghost who works, Lomax Anthony Griffin. Becoming... He's the phantom. He's the ghost who works, who he walks. Like a bit of an idiot this year, you know what I mean? I don't know what's gotten into him. He's been a bit of a buffhead the last couple of years. Ever since he got picked in the understudy for Origin, right? So anyway, anyway. Oh, maybe that's what it is. He yeah, did win cool. the game for his team, right? A 78th minute field goal to Zach Lomax and a late try yes. to Matt Fay guy has helped did help the Dragons snap a four game losing trick with a losing streak with a twenty one sixteen win over Newcastle. Um Lomax broke the sixteen all deadlock with two minutes left on the clock before the Dragons kept the ball alive on the last on the stroke of full time with Fagai crossing for his second of the afternoon in the win. It was it was it was a good game, like I said, between two clubs who were equally as desperate to turn their early season form around. At least the Knights got a few tries this game. The Dragons did enjoy the bulk of the possession. They had fifty six percent of the possession in the first half to set up an eight nil lead but didn't have their own way with the Knights repelling their attack and hitting the lead midway through the second half. Back-to-back tries to Jack Bird in the 51st minute and Guy in the 53rd minute got the red V back in front, but the Knights had another say when Kalen Ponga, who I thought this was Kalen Ponga's best game of the season, crossed a short time. He looked dangerous every time he had the ball. When he plays like this... Gee, I need to ask you a question about Kalen Ponga. Is he a flat track bully? Oh, good question. Doesn't seem to put it on against the big teams. You know what? I have to think about that, but there's a possibility he might be. I love him as a player. I love his skills. I, I do too. I do too, but he just goes missing in bigger games. It's a very, very, very good question. Very good so question. So that's one to watch as the season goes on. Um, Absolutely, I think, yes. But um, after that Kalen Ponga try, it was end-to-end for the last half hour, right? It was great. Um, with the Dragons and Knights battling out the uh, battling, battling out the final quarter of the last 20 minutes of the game before Lomax one pointer split the sides, um, earlier a penalty goal for a late shot after a kick enabled the Dragons to take a two nil advantage. Before Andrew McCulloch made a mockery of his former teammates to catch the defenders napping close to the line, this was also Andrew McCulloch's. It's no coincidence they got a win and they broke their four game losing streak because I thought Andrew McCulloch was better this game as well. So much comes from dummy half in modern football. Um, Newcastle weren't afraid to throw the ball around. Um, that was in response to them not being able to score points in 170 minutes, um, despite being down on the scoreboard, and managed to jag a try back before halftime with Tyson Frizzell and Ponga keeping the ball alive to send Anari Tuali over on the right edge. The Knights hit the league after the break in the 48th minute when Dane Gagai finished off a frantic last play, but couldn't hold on in the end. Um, if the, I feel like if the Knights were a bit more confident and Adam O'Brien was a better coach, they would have won this game. A couple of points. I thought Saints were solid, but I, th- I do think that having Bird at 5'8 and Mbai at fullback has dulled their attack, so I thought their Why attack was around. Why doesn't he play at hooker? Andrew McCulloch's been terrible up until this game. I don't know, but I think they, they, they lack a bit of pace. So w- their attack is... They were passing the ball, but their attack was actually quite deliberate and quite Are we sure Anthony Griffin can coach? Execution? I don't know, mate, because what I've seen is he's made the Dragons worse offensively, and... I thought the Knights handled them quite well, even though the Dragons were doing what you're meant to do to win the game, if that makes sense, holding position, doing all that stuff. Um, and realistically, I think they should have been further ahead than... Can, can, can I make two points? Can I make two points? One is, I thought 
Moses Sully was fantastic. Moses Sully has been, he's got the odd defensive laps, but this but year... But with the with ball the in hand, 181 metres and eight tackle busts. He, he looks like he's dangerous every time he gets the ball in hands. I thought Newcastle won the forward battle. I think their, their halves have fallen off a cliff in the last three weeks. This is why they need Milford. Pong has, Pong has upset the apple cart there. The balance, yes, they have. Clifford seems to have taken a backward step. I don't think he's as aggressive as he was in the I, first couple I of weeks. I wonder if it's a bit of the Mitch Moses's. Is Caelan Ponga overcalling? I don't know because Clifford and Clune, and then in this game, Phoenix Crossland, who, who filled in for Adam Clune, their form went behind and you could see that Ponga was more involved, which is great, but he was dominating. And I don't think now Clifford, it's, it's thrown them out of sync. They had a good rhythm the first couple. And I think they'll readjust, but it's going to take a few weeks. So I think their attack struggled as a result. Even though they were winning the forward battle, making metres, they struggled in attack to take advantage of that. And for the Dragons' defence, it was too easy, right? I thought the first half was very poor, generally speaking. And it just relied on brilliant Ponga magic out of nowhere to put Tuala over and poor Dragons' defence, really. Um, but the Dragons were thoroughly in control. And then the second half, 30 minutes to go, again, a bomb. And then Gagai somehow stepped past George Burgess, who didn't even bother really going across properly, and lazy defence, and then put the Knights ahead. And then Ben Hunt came up with a brilliant pass to Fiangi, who then and wrapped around. And then they got lucky with the bounce to Jack Bird to score. And they got a lucky bounce. And then Zach Lomax did the best thing and jumped on Tyson Frizzell like an idiot. Um, like, that wasn't going to result in a melee. Like, absolutely. But it was a good finish by Fiange. And then um, Bradman Best and Pong carve apart the Dragons with a good offload from Clemmer and put Ponga back over and the game was on. Well, the rumour is um, he's in for origin, right? I don't know where that started. Zach Lomax. No, Bradman Best. And that tied it up. And then it was a matter... I thought both teams got very nervous about trying to kick a field goal properly. Neither of them have won a game. <laughs> no. And then, then eventually they kicked one. And then the Dragons scored another razzle-dazzle try at the end with some offloads and a great try. And great stepping by Fiange as well to, as a, to finish off that try. But What's Damo said about the Dragons? Is he an Anthony Griffin fan? I can't imagine that he's an Anthony Griffin no, fan. No, he... Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. My friend is a huge Dragons fan. He just hates... Doesn't think Andrew, Anthony Griffin can coach at all and the Dragons are poorly executing and they're a I think he guy. might be right. He's not... I don't know. I think they've got more potential than they're showing. You said that last week, T. It was great to get a win, and it was fantastic for the people that win, and the players were so excited. So that was fabulous to see, to be honest. They've got some talent there, but it's not being unleashed properly. So I think Anthony Griffin needs to change a few things. They got lucky with this game, I think. But good win for the Dragons. It was exciting to see them get a, get a win. I'll tell you what, though. Fuck, Wind Stadium looks good when they have an aerial shot. Oh, yeah, when it's a sunny day. A, oh, on a sunny day, sunny great day, stadium. the beach. When it's windy Bloody and hell. shit house, it's not great. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. By the way, what happened to the Steelers? Why don't they wear a Steelers jersey when they're playing? In well, because the they're, they're like, they're like Balmain and West, right? So, so the other thing that I'd like to say is Cronulla Stadium, yeah, Shark Park. You know what? Other than the stadium opening and the block of flats going up in the background, what's the <laughs> Correct, fucking difference? Yes. I don't know. I think they've just replaced the seats. <laughs> the, the old grandstand used to hold 6,847 people. The new grandstand holds 6,923. 6, <laughs> I think that's what's happened. Because oh I looked at I'm it like, again oh the other God, day. I'm like, oh my God, I don't like, know the difference. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> there the isn't. Stadium. But I noticed the seats were more shiny. The stadium was shut for two years and I can't tell the difference. I can't. Mate, don't get me started. I was a stadium gets shut day. in fucking Europe, and it goes from like twenty-seven thousand to eighty thousand. 
He had, they built the new white yeah. hard lane in two years. <laughs> what do you mean? Now we've got a bloody extra couple of seats. Yeah, they've got like a one grandstand difference and there's a hundred people extra in there. What? Two and years, two and years. Oh, I know. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. They, brilliant. That is hilarious, man. And now we actually are welcome to... The first win by the Mighty Tigers. All right, let's cover this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna front, front foot this right because um we were fucking shit. <laughs> I'm happy for you to leave that in there. Hey Brad Arthur. Hey Brad Arthur. You know how um you know how Dylan Brown didn't get involved enough last year. You know what is not the right way to fix it? Have every fucking play go to the side Dylan Brown's on. How about that? Yeah. How about you split it fifty fifty? Yeah. Hey, um, let me let me give you some people that I'd like to call out on the Parramatta Eels side of things, right? Um, Sean Lane. Are you secretly are you secretly a Burgess brother? How about you hold on to the king ball? No, he does have one of those games, Sean Mitch Lane. Mitch Rain, you know how Brandy said um, jo- Jonathan Thurston went one season too far. Yeah, Mitch Rain's like five seasons too far. <laughs> Good on the Tigers. They were under pressure. They won twenty-one to twenty. I'll cover the game, but. My God, yep. we did not respect them. We dropped the ball. We didn't complete our sets. We spread the ball early in the tackle count. We didn't win the... Like we, just, we just disrespected the Tigers and we got what we bloody deserved with the way we played. So that's my view on it. I think same. Like I thought when the Eels kind of were focused, they were making ground so easily. The game was easy, but I think, like you say, I think they disrespected they the disrespected Tigers. They disrespected the Tigers. They would not have come out prepared for the Tigers playing attacking football from the beginning of the game, which is, we haven't seen this year at all. And the move... I think that's right. Jackson Hastings at halfback made a massive difference Huge to the game. Difference. And, and this is why the press kept going on about Luke Brooks. If you could play like Jackson Hastings, it would make a difference, right? He ended up winning the game with 10 seconds left with the field goal, and, it, and he probably eased the pressure on Madge, right, to beat the Eels 21-20. Um, he, he kicked it from 40 metres, right? And it was in front of 28,000 fans, uh, which was a massive crowd at, at Bank West. I was so. going to say, great turn up by the Eels fans, big crowd. Great. This this Easter Monday is almost... Great noise, great great stadium. Must must go two games, right? So, um, anyway, the West Tigers took the, led the Parramatta Eels 14-10 to 10 at the break at halftime after Luciano Leilua try and a first-half double to Nofaluma. We started the game with Penasini on the wing, and he was really caught out on that edge because he doesn't, he's not a winger. He doesn't play our everywhere. Out, he's not a winger. Mate, our outside backs are really hurting us because our edges are getting worse, right? We're playing second roles in the centres. Other than Bailey Simonson, we've had to move Penasini onto the wing, and we're just standing in the wrong spots there. So they And yes, credit to the agreed. Tigers, they, 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 they took advantage of that, right? So good on them. Just to give you some idea, in the first half, we only completed 55% of our sets. That's how bad our handling was. Yeah. Um, the the yeah. Leilua try, Leilua hit a hole on the right edge with Luke Brooks sending the Cowboys bound forward over the line. Tom Opacic held on for dear life, but he just needed to make contact a bit higher. He was a bit late. And the other thing I'll say is Tom Opacic is a right centre playing left centre. So it's going to take him a little while as well. Our whole back line's been reshuffled, right? But a Mitch Moses scrubber and Clint Gutherson scored. I thought Mitch Moses had one of his off days today. Um, Gutho was a bit off as well. Um, the visitors were having success through the visitor through the middle of the field with quick men Jake Simpkin and Dane Laurie. Jake Jake Simpkin until he got injured late in the game played over Reed Marnie and I and I actually I know I've been saying this for a few weeks because you watch your own teams a bit more closely. Reed Marnie's not in the best of form at the moment. He's certainly yeah. not playing like he was last year. Um, Brooks, Luke Brooks, who switched to 5'8 this week to cater for Jackson Hastings' return, delivered a pass from North Luma to strike on the right edge before the club's record 
try scorer crossed for another three minutes later. And when, when North is in those types of forms, he's, 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 he's pretty good, right? He's engaged defensively and everything else as well, you know? Yeah. Para, Para were having the success of their own on the edges. Um, it was a game between the edges, I suppose, and hit back before halftime with Isaiah Papali charging over from close range off a Reed Marnie short ball. An overturned captain's challenge in Parramatta's favour looked to have swung the momentum after the break, but the Eels were caught napping at the scrum with the Tigers winning it against the feed for the first time since 1983. At least the Bulldogs haven't, ha- <laughs> haven't, haven't lost a scrum against the feed this no, year. That's one positive for our well, season Well, the only so positive, far. frankly, with this win is the Bulldogs are now last. So from there, the visitors extended their lead <laughs> with Hastings and Laurie sending Ken Momolo over in the corner, who got recalled in this game after he got dropped earlier in the week. So Madge with his consistency. This was the first time the Tigers beat us in seven games. We've got a seven-game winning streak. Can I just say, Dylan Brown injected in his game. His running game's his strength, not, not his kicking, not his passing. In the 52nd minute, he, he ste- stepped past Zane Musgrove, who can't drive. He thought he was driving illegally without a license great try by the oh, way what a step and then he put reed marnie over right so reed marnie set up a try scored one himself but the rest of his game i didn't think was fantastic uh, a try to marate near Kore in the 68th minute which went unconverted by mitch moses whose goal kicking this year has been a bit of hit and miss um tied the scores at 20 all the tigers got a chance after Parramatta's try with north Luma going close to grabbing a third only to be held up in desperate defense we had a cup we had one shot in particular that mitch moses should have scored another one, which we had a seven-tackle set, which Mitch Rain completely butchered. And and then Jackson Hastings knocked it over with, with 10 seconds left. So congratulations, Tigers. You deserve the win. We didn't respect you. I'm sorry for that, but but well played. Yeah, it was actually an enjoyable game. Great game as of footy neutral, as it neutral. was back and forth. I thought the Eels did try to attack. And, you know, you got Gutho always involving himself. He was always involved in the game in every facet. And the Tigers, for the, I can't believe, were offloading and following the ball around and actually really playing an expansive style of footy, which is, for them, kind of unusual. So I think that threw power off a little bit. And Jake Simpkin caught you out in the middle a little bit too. Um, And you know one thing I like about Jackson Hastings, T, is he's got stones. Like, he tries stuff that other halfbacks... Like, he plays attacking football. He's got that... You know, coming from England, you think he's still got the same style of footy. And he's tough. He's tough. And even towards the end, you know, when you had chances to go for a field goal... I know what he was trying to do, but he probably... The power defence was either lazy or read it, but, you know, faking the field goal and then trying to put it... No, no, so this, this is the thing about Jackson Hastings. Jackson Hastings is a footy player. He's an old-school footy player. He's a, he's a footy player. He's a footy player. He's like, we don't need the field goal. There's no, a chance oh, yeah, to score a, a try. Player. He goes for it. He's a footy player. He looks player. for offloads. He's run around. He's a footy player. So I actually like the way he plays, but I think that's He hasn't important. been structured to death. He's a footy player. And you know what? I think that helps the Tigers because he gives... If he's in control, he lets them play a little bit more footy. I think he might be and right. And it frees up I think Luke he might Brooks. Be right. It's actually better that way. But I thought the Eels were always going to come back. They were making so many inroads. But it was that last pass that, or and space. And lack of respect, always, right? was always forward or behind the player or something and it just fell apart all the time but I still thought they were going to come back but the Tigers hung on and I thought they just showed a lot of spirit but this time took advantage of the possession they had and they ended up winning the game and it was a great field goal by the way total muck up I think they stuffed that up and then realised shit I've got to pass it to Hastings because Jock Madden was like where is he he came out looking for him and then he just saw him there but can I just say that that, can 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 I also say that's a little bit on the coach as well like like 
when you're at the game and you're in golden point, you should know exactly the plays you're running. Like, that should be rehearsed. I don't, it didn't look like it. It obviously didn't. It didn't look like it a para either, for right? Him. They barely made no. it to the halfway line with seven tackles set. No. And then it was like, okay, where is he? And then, and then Jackson, they were looking for offloads. No like, like guys, we know the play we're running. Six tackles up the middle, seventh tackle, Mitch Moses over the... You know, like, anyway. A, a great win for the Tigers. They deserved, they deserved a bit of luck. It. And they I think they got it. it in this game. And... The Eels... We don't want your sympathy. We're pretenders. We're pretenders. Too many injuries. We're pretenders. It's Melbourne. Melbourne and Panthers. Lock it in. Lock it in. Mrs. T will be happy. Another Panthers grand final for her to go to. Yeah, I think so. Although she didn't get... Last year's grand final was in Brisbane, wasn't it? So she didn't get to see... She went the year before against the Storm, which they lost. So I hope she's desperate to see them win one. So... And she deserves to see them. I think They're this a good year side. might be the year. The Panthers are great. They're great to watch. I've got a lot of rugby union watching friends that love watching the Panthers. They're, they're Kiwis. They're Kiwis. Grew up on rugby. Just love watching the Panthers. Yeah. They're, I don't know. They're brilliant. I like watching the Panthers. I love watching the Panthers. They're a great footy side to watch. Well, I like watching the Storm too. Yeah, I love the Storm. I love Pappenheisen. He's back to his best too. So one of my favourite players ever. He's fantastic. He is fantastic. Flying Ryan. All right, let's move on to round seven because this pod has been going for two hours and five minutes by this point. Technical stuff. We're excited. We're passionate. We're emotional. Speak for yourself. We just need to calm down. Speak for yourself. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's not a Bulldogs game, so I feel all those things. Oh, God, I was cranky. Jeez, and Action was giving it to me. So if you guys lose against the Broncos, Action, if you're listening to this and you lose against the Broncos, there, there is no country on earth you'll be able to hide in that night, on Friday night. So let's see how we go. I'll be tipping the Broncos. Go. <laughs> I think that's right. All right, first up, it's the Sharks versus Seagulls on Thursday night. I think this is going to be a great game. Sharks are $1.39 favourites. Seagulls are $3.00. Um, Seagulls have seven and a half points start, which seems high to me. Now, I know the Sharks Ooh. are at home. I know the Sharks are playing really really well and despite the scoreline against melbourne i thought they gave it a red hot go for 60 minutes and the seagulls are rounding out into a bit of form and i know tommy turbo's not out but i think the score will be fairly close in this one i think it's under six points so i think the seagulls plus seven and a half is good value i agree with you i think i'd, I'd if i was betting money i would probably take the seagulls with the seven and having a half said star. that i'm gonna I, tip the sharks just who's gonna win i think the sharks are gonna be a little bit too good for the seagulls i think defensively they'll be They'll handle the Seagulls, um, but the Sharks have been atta- playing great attacking football, and I think the Seagulls won't be able to hold them out. The one watch out for, though, is Cherry Evans has got that kick we talked about behind the defence. He would be aiming that at Talakai, presumably. Who, who presumably will have a, a turning bit... circle that is yes. like a 16-foot truck. Correct. 16-meter so truck. Think of the semi-trailer doing yeah, a three-point turn correct, in a skinny street. So that's actually a watch out for. So I think that that could play a little bit into uh, Manly's favor. But yeah, but I isn't he going to get Will Kennedy to lean towards that side? I mean, you'll just get him to lean towards uh, that no. side. No, it looks like it's Oliver Carr too. No, no, but Will Kennedy's the fullback. So if he gets him to... Oh, possibly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. to cover that. I think he'll cover possibly. that. Yeah, so that, that's what I'd do if I was a coach. But never underestimate the stupidity of the NRL players and coaches, right? So, no, but I'm still thinking... The Sharks will win. All right. I, I'm tipping the Sharks as well. So the next up is the blockbuster between the Broncos. And it's at that magnificent mecca called Points Bet Stadium. <laughs> which is which looks so different from the previous stadium version. Correct. You, yes. you know what? If you showed me a before and after shot, other than the apartments going up in the background, I would not be able to tell the difference. If you're rebuilding a stand or a stadium, why do you design it exactly the same as what you're replacing? I don't know. Maybe they should get four points parked to come and give them some pointers. I don't know. Anyway, 
So if there's only one Thursday night game, there's only one Friday night game, and the Friday night game is the blockbuster between the Broncos and the Bulldogs. Yes, huge game. The Broncos are $1.65 favourites, and the Bulldogs are $2.25. The Bulldogs have a slight start with three and a half points on sports bet. The Bulldogs, didn't you guys beat them last up a few weeks ago? No, we actually had 85% of possession and camped That's in their 20, right. and then we That's lost 16 right. to 10. Oh, I'm glad I asked that question. I'm tipping the Broncos, but I won't watch this game. What do you think? <laughs> I'm tipping the Broncos because if the possession ledger evens up a little bit, um, I don't. I just don't think attack. We've got we've got the attack to beat. Payne Haas is back, I just think, and I think that makes a big difference Payne for the Haas, Broncos. Katoni Staggs is really in he's form in form. Now. I think Herbie's he back on the left edge this week. Herbie's back this weekend as well, and um, I just think the Broncos. Adam Reynolds is getting Albert a bit Albert more Kelly. Adam Reynolds was great. I thought Adam Reynolds was great on the weekend. I think that was the best game he played in the Broncos jersey. I know they lost by a lot. But I think Adam Reynolds is really like I'm, I'm, I think he's on the upward swing now. Yeah, so I, I just think they'll be too strong for us, the Broncos, and a little bit too cohesive in attack. And the Bulldogs will be spirited, but ultimately I think we'll fall short. So Broncos. All right, brilliant. So we're both tipping the Sharks. We're both tipping the Broncos. There's only two games on Shitty Saturday. First up, it's the Cowboys versus Titans in the, and we get a few of these games every week, right? Oh, Jesus. Who fucking knows what happens here? Jesus. I have no idea. I've got no I'm idea. the Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys are $1.95. The Titans are $1.85 favourites, but the Cowboys have only got one and a half point start. The sports betting agencies are the same. They're like, ah, I don't know. I really don't know. This game is really, really hard really to pick. Really hard to pick. Because uh, I don't really have faith in the Cowboys, but I have no faith in the Titans or what Titans are going to show What worries up, me about so. the Titans is that quote from Justin Holbrook after the game. Like, if you're not the coach and you don't have the answers, like, what are you going to the dressing room saying? I'd give it to Dave Fafita, I suppose. Well, that's what they've been doing, though. That's what they've been doing. So... I think the Cowboys are playing better, and I should have tipped them against the Raiders, and I didn't because I thought they don't travel well. They're back at home. I'm going to tip the Cowboys. I'm tipping the Cowboys. I, I just think that, well, I think they'll be a lot better than the Titans. I, I don't know what it is, but I'd like to see the Titans with, with Jaden Campbell back at fullback and then Jermaine Osaka on one wing to replace Marju, but that may or may not happen, but I'm tipping the Cowboys. Oh, it's going to, it'll be, maybe there's some outs before the game starts and that sort of stuff that might swing us, but at this stage, it's the Cowboys for both of us. Um, next up, can I tell you, this is a tough game to pick as well after their performance today. The Tigers versus Souths. Tigers have $5.50 outsiders. Souths are $1.15 favourites. Tigers have 15.5 points start. This will be a closer game than 15.5 points for mine. But I think Souths have started to play into a bit of form. And I don't think after beating the Eels, I don't think Souths will take the Tigers as lightly as the Eels did. I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs, but like... Like but you, you, you could convince was, me of the Tigers. Was, you could actually convince me of the Tigers, particularly if Jackson Hastings plays the way he did today. I think the start, like if there was, if you were betting, I'd take the Tigers with the head start. But I think the Rabbitohs will win. But I think it's going to be a close game. And if the for me, the Tigers, if they come out and play like they did against Parramatta, and by that I mean expansive football and Jackson Hastings and getting their runners in a little bit of space, I think they will trouble the Rabbitohs because their defense isn't the greatest this year, the South. But like you, I think the Rabbitohs are starting to kind of get their combos going a little bit better as the season's wearing on and Ilias is settling in a little bit more. Um, I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs, but I think it'll be a decent game, this one. I agree. Let's move on to the Sunday games. First up, it's another tough one to pick, is the Knights versus the Eels. The Knights are $3.50 outsiders. The Eels are $1.31 favourites. The Knights have nine and a half points start. I'm going to tip the Eels because they're my team, but neither team, I think, is playing particularly well. The Eels... This week, we're not very good, and I wonder if it was just like you say, a little bit of, hey, we're playing the Tigers, they, that's going to be an easy win. 
and they found themselves up in a game and then couldn't re- readjust midway through the game, intensity-wise. Mate, but the Knights have been, I think, relatively poor for a few weeks now. I'm disappointed in the Knights the now, way they Can, I, playing, can I tell actually. you the other and thing? Now, Madge Maguire and Brad Arthur are mates. So is Adam O'Brien and Brad Arthur because they're all out of the Storm system. They were all assistant coaches around the same time at the Storm. So... You know, and I think the Knights... So you can convince me about the Knights because the, the Adam O'Brien t- tends to get the Knights up for the Eels because of that relationship. Yeah, I think that that plays a part in things for sure. I think people it's say like, it doesn't. It's like Wayne Bennett, Brian Smith. Wayne Bennett always got his teams yeah. up against Brian oh, Smith, right? He hated Brian hated Smith. Hated Brian yeah, that Smith. was a little bit different. Um, <laughs> Eels, I'm tipping it's like, the it's Eels. Like Trent Robinson, Ricky Stewart. It's, um, I'm tipping the Eels to beat the Knights. So the Knights have been disappointing and... They're going to have to show me they're a little better for me to pick them. All right. Let's move on to the Channel 9 game on Sunday, which is the Panthers versus the Raiders, which in 2019 would have been an amazing game. In 2022, less so. The Panthers are $1.12 favourites. Raiders are $6.50 outsiders. Panthers have won 20 in a row. Raiders have 17.5 points start. I can't see anything but a Panthers win. For me, this is the Panthers by plenty. Yeah, I, I don't... The Raiders have been... Disappointing. I don't think the Raiders and, got enough um, points in them, and I think the Panthers have a lot of points in them. And then, you know, eventually, mate, once you know you can't score, your resilience in defence wears off because defence is hard work. Yeah. You know, if you are if you can't, you're struggling to score, you you start to miss the one percenters. Ricky's almost at a point where you start playing the kids. If he keeps sticky taping it every year, he's just going to have this slow decline. They're already in the bottom four. Like, he's got to rebuild. Yeah, he's got a couple of older dudes there. So, I mean... Jack White and Chance Nickel Klockstad... Papa Lee hasn't been like some of these players have got to be let go. Like you got to you got to start blooding the kids. Agree. Not this week, but Panthers by twenty in this game. Yeah, I think I don't. I think the Panthers will cover the seventeen and a half as well. All right, let's. There's two Anzac Day games, which are going to be great. So I'm going to the Saints Roosters game. I love Anzac Day in any sport. It is a great day out. If you haven't been to the SCG or the MCG, it is fan bloody tastic. And actually, I know we're a rugby league podcast, but it's also Magic Round in the Rugby Union and. Um, I think that'll be great in the Super Rugby as well. They're all down in Melbourne. And then you've got the Anzac Day game in the AFL on Monday. So this is, wow, it's, okay. it's a sport extravaganza this weekend. It is down there. Far out. Everywhere, actually. Rugby, yeah, Anzac Day is always a great the, game. Um, AFL yeah. and the Warriors and Storm. All right. So first up, it's the Saints versus Roosters at the SCG. Saints are $4 outsiders. Roosters are $1.25. It's 12.5 points start for the Saints. But I think it'll be closer than that. And I'll tell you why. Not because oh, Saints are playing this amazing football I don't think that not that I think the Roosters are playing that amazing football, but I think these games on this occasion tends to be closer. The Anzac Day, yeah, yeah, I think it tends to be closer. It's a big, it's a big occasion, big occasion, right? So I think the Roosters will win, but I think it'll be a close game. I'm tipping the Roosters. I, I think um, they haven't been impressive for a full eighty, but I think the Dragons have been sort of poor and offensively, their attack is slow and methodical, and the Roosters won't be troubled by it. And I just think the Roosters will ultimately run in a few tries and the Dragons won't have enough to beat them so Roosters for me but it'll be interesting to see what type of game it is I think it'll be close and tight um, but Roosters for me yeah I, I agree now can I tell you the other game that's always great on Anzac Day and I love that the fact that the Storm do this the Storm Warriors because Anzac Day is about another country as well yes New Zealand. The Storm versus Warriors is played in Melbourne every Anzac Day, and that's fantastic. And you get a double header on Anzac Day, and I think the NRL do. I actually think the AFL and the NRL do it well. Storm are a dollar twelve favourites. It's a double AMO park. A lot of people go to the MCG for the Bombers versus Pies game, and then make their way across the road to double AMO park for the Storm versus Warriors. It is a great day out in Melbourne. This Storm are a dollar twelve favourites. Warriors are six dollars fifty outsiders. 
Warriors are have eight and eighteen and a half points start. I think the Storm will win this, but I don't think they'll cover the eight and eighteen and a half. I think they'll win. I think the Warriors will be up for it. They always trouble the Storm, but this isn't the same old Warriors from a few years ago. I think um, the Storm will be just too good for them. The Warriors, they 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 they're spirited in general, but ultimately they just don't have enough um, class to match the Storm. So. Um, the storm, I think, might cut. Might you know, cover you know what our problem is. Our problem is this year is it we because we're doing these and we're following through with our tips. We're very close in the tipping club. I know, we're very close. Yeah. So, so last year because you didn't follow the footy, it was a bit more of a spread. <laughs> so yes, yeah. because you've actually. I'd always change my mind. Now I'm like, fuck this. I'm tipping. Who I said at I'm least tipping. this year, at least you're watching one game around. So we're 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 very fortunate as listeners I'm to have you, have you actually following the footy. All right. Can I also say just the next six to eight weeks is massive for Liverpool Football Club, which is the team I follow. So G will be G will be doing the heavy lifting. G, I'm happy to do the news every week, but you might have to carry the can on on the match reviews, depending on how the next. You'll be watching the how Jurgen Klopp can improve the Saint George Dragons. Well, I was up till God knows what time watching City versus Liverpool. What a great first half we put in. Anyway, look, we were fantastic, but. Um, G has I forced you to put in your ballot for the UEFA Europa League final yes. as well. Yes, and we were, we played Burnley. We were terrible. <laughs> See you next week, G.